vigorous Steve. What he did that with Derek more plus more dates. He did that with Chase Irons. He did that with Paul Barnett. He did that with Jordan Peters. He did that with me. I mean, what the f He is a, a genius of bodybuilding with countless videos on YouTube. Testing and aromatizing it, or testing maybe Primo to bring your estrogen down, or testing Mastron to bring your estrogen down. Pressure medications, you still put stress on your heart. So what we see nowadays is a lot of people, they, they die from genetic related issues, right? So John Meadows had heart conditions in his family and passed away early. Joe Aesthetics had- Wait, really? The truth always comes out. So if you have a genetic predisposition in your family of passing away from something like cancer or heart issues, cardiovascular issues, um, I'm not sure if you remember, but on our podcast, for example, mm -hmm. it was just so hard to, it's just so hard to speak on online podcasts because there's that yeah. delay and I just, it just almost like messes with my flow. You yeah. can't look each other in the eyes because you're looking at the camera, but yeah. you're also looking at the camera. So you don't have <laughs> any real eye contact. <laughs> right. It sucks, dude. I know, but that, that's usually the only way to really meet with people because yeah. we're all living everywhere else, right. you know? Exactly. So, so yeah, this especially is when you guys are all the way over there in Thailand. Yeah. You gotta live somewhere. It's a great place. Joe really, uh, he really hyped that place up. Like he really yeah. loved it. Yeah, it was a great place. Mm -hmm. It's a great place. I met him. Are we starting already? By the way, if I could just start. So yeah, I met I met Joe. I think way before he ever got famous. I think he had one video, two videos where he, uh, you know, he did that little muscle ripple effect, and um, you know, and then he slowly started getting more popular, and more popular, and he loved Thailand. He came there on the same premise that I did. You know, I wanted. Leave Europe, sick of the bullshit there, sick of the taxes, sick of the crazy situation and the negativity. Yeah. So we met each other early on, and we always talked about you know how to live abroad and how to make money online, and, and he really took off after a while. It was great to see. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you remember like how uh, how big his audience was when you first met him? I think he had maybe three hundred thousand or fifty. I can't remember. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I That's think he just he ago. just had like one or two viral videos. Gotcha. And then he came to Thailand the first time. He was at the muscle factory, but he was kind of like low key, just training there. And then he went back to Germany. And then I think one of his one or two videos went viral, and he had one sponsor, so he had a little bit of money coming in. And then he decided to move. And then somebody put us in touch because he needed to buy some supplements, uh, which we usually get from the pharmacy. So he, mm. somebody put us in touch and he's like, oh, you're Steve, you're the go-to guy in Thailand, right? Show me where to shop. I said, yeah, sure, let's go. And then we went with another friend, Sebastian. We all went shopping and had some dinner and just talked about, you know, living life and then having fun. And then slowly but steadily he became more popular and he really took off. And yeah, but he always remained the same with me, you know? I mean, we, we knew each other before we were ever famous. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was very inspiring to see how far he got. Because, uh, I mean, he, he really leveled up over the last couple of years. And that's why it's unfortunate what happened. Because, man, the guy was only 30 years old and on top of the social media game. Mm -hmm. He was always on the algorithm and always, always checking the always. analytics. You know? And I know you had a podcast with him not too long ago yeah. when he was in the U.S. And I'm happy he got to go to the U.S. Because, you know, when you live in Thailand, you really don't understand the gravity of what you're doing. Because you're away from everything. You're away from the Western world where all the other people live. And in Thailand, you could just be low-key about your business and then nobody really knows you besides people in the gym. Mm -hmm. And then you come to the U.S. and it's like everybody knows Bombardment. you. Bombardment. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm, I'm very happy that he got to experience that because before he passed, I was trying to push him, like, go to the U.S., mm -hmm. go to Dubai, right? And eventually he went to Dubai, set up a business there, 
to shuttle the, the, the revenue from all his, all his affiliates and business associates through. And then he went to the US and we were constantly in touch, like, uh, you know, messaging, like, how is it? And I think he didn't really understand what the US was all about because he's from Germany. So it's, you know, a little bit of a cultural difference and especially compared to Thailand. But it was, I think it was good for him to go here or come here and just meet people and, and see how much of a positive influence he had. Because, um, you know, when you live in Thailand, you don't really know. So that's why I try to come to the Olympia now every year, just to meet the people that support you, you know, because that's the majority of the people are in the Western world. And especially at the Olympia, everybody kind of goes there. So it's good to see. And my, my sincere apologies that my voice is terribly raspy. I've been talking at the Olympia for four days straight. Yeah, Steve, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah smoking a lot of weed since I came out. No, no. I'm the only podcast that you should be on. Yeah, yeah, my apologies. Yeah. Yeah, you were the first one to give me a podcast, <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, yeah, I went to a lot of podcasts. And then yesterday I went to Mark Bell and we talked for like a couple of hours and then my voice got got worse and worse and worse. So we're going to have to, your editor, I hope he's up for the task to make me sound sexy again. No, the raspy voice is sexy. Yeah, it's, it's like a sexy. James Bond vibe. Yeah, very Barry White, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, uh, it's good to be, man. Thanks for having me. Again. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's way better in real life. Speaking of that, let's do the intro real quick. But can you bring your uh, mic real, yeah. like a little bit up to your uh, face? Sure. Okay, so anyways. <clears throat> oh, homies, we're back with uh, the goat, the legend himself. And Jesus Christ, dude. Aren't you on TRT right now? I'm on nothing. I'm on nothing. <laughs> oh, wait. Are you on I'm just on, ACG? And uh, ACG and FSH, yeah. That's crazy. I'm trying to get my wife pregnant off camera right here. Off camera? <laughs> off camera right there, uh, managing the third uh, camera. So, yeah, just FSH and ACG. Damn, dude. I, I had a little stint with IGF-1, though. I'll, I'm going to be honest. No, that's okay. Yeah, yeah it's okay. I mean, it's not really going to show that much in those biceps. Uh, those natty biceps. Natty, half natty biceps. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Steve, I think he needs a little intro, especially if you're listening to this podcast regularly. But if you don't know who he is, he is a, a genius of bodybuilding with countless videos on YouTube and um, was a co-host of the Bio Bros podcast with more plates with Derek and Leo in longevity and was also the coach of the Liver King prior to Derek's video. Yeah. One point. Well, three, so. three weeks. Then I had to let him go. Yes, too much bullshit. But um, one thing I just want to say before uh, starting off this podcast, I just want to start it off by saying that uh, the idea of ideating about steroids for a full show, I believe, isn't appealing because it discounts a lot of the hard work, which is really the backbone of the sport, as a lot of the um, competitive pro athletes know. And this spreads a message that a chemical solution is all you need for results. But both of those are very antithetical to society's understanding of the sport. And while there will always be some that disagree and claim that PEDs is all you need, I'd like to deliver an honest message of what is truly required in achieving the greatness um, that we're striving for in this sport. So um, along with uh, the dangers associated with this hardcore route. So I um I received this comment from um on one of the podcasts, one of the earlier podcasts from a user named uh, Night Scarens, and uh, I like the comment, so I'm just going to state it. But basically, he said, just as a rock climber, the athletes in this sport and in bodybuilding and undergoing PEDs are undergoing a path in which they are willing to put their life on the line for their passion. Just the danger between the two sports is is different. I I think. If you go absolutely ham, recklessly, it's like rock climbing without a safety rope. 
but we do have safety ropes in bodybuilding. So rock climbing by itself is dangerous. That's why we have, uh, you know, free climbing, right? What they do next to the to the ocean. Then your safety rope is basically the ocean. As long as you don't fall from too high, you you should be okay when you fall down. So with bodybuilding, we have blood work, right? It's a safety mechanism. We have organ imaging as a safety mechanism. We have uh, using your fucking mind and brain <laughs> and doing research as a safety mechanism. Now, not everybody has this opportunity because a lot of guys just go into, uh, you know, the stereotypes haphazardly um, and they hurt themselves. But you don't have to hurt yourself because the knowledge is out there on my channel, on many other educators, steroid educators, YouTube channel. So I, did, I don't think there's an excuse anymore not to get educated, but people choose not to. And that's where the deaths are coming from or the, the health ramifications are coming from. Mm -hmm. And I made, don't get me wrong, I made plenty of mistakes myself in the past because I was not as educated as I am now because I didn't have a guy like me on YouTube talking about this stuff publicly, what to do. So I had to figure it out the hard way, you know, get by getting my hands dirty and making plenty of mistakes along the way. But nowadays with channels like mine and, and you being transparent about what you're doing and having all these, these guys on being transparent, I mean, this is called the Transparent Podcast after all, I, I don't think people have to, you know, get unhealthy anymore. You just have to use your brain and use these compounds safely after you've built your base, which I, I still think people need to build their base, right? You train drug-free naturally for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and then maybe you experiment a little bit after you've maximized your gains without drugs. Mm -hmm. But due to social media, everybody's exposed to all these tremendous physiques, so they don't want to wait. They want to look tremendous tomorrow, and right. that's simply not going to happen. I mean, I started bodybuilding when I was 15, and I took steroids when I was 26. Good luck trying to find anybody out there that's willing to train drug-free for 11 years nowadays. Yeah, you can. For this sure. is why I still have some sort of a physique now after being off cycle for for 10, 11 months because I, I had a, I had a base. I know how to train. I I know how to diet. I know how to supplement. And even if you take the steroids away, the physique is just still there, but it shrinks. You know, I'm not as big and muscular as I used to be, which is fine. Yeah. I'm more than just a bodybuilder. So just playing devil's advocate for the sake of the uh, audience, what would you have to say for, and I hate to bring them up, but I feel like it's just the best example, but what would you have to say for people like John Meadows and others who we understand likely had a, a good amount of knowledge about what they were doing? So, so that's, that's, so with John Meadows, for example, right? He's very knowledgeable about what he did and he still passed away. Mm -hmm. But he was older than when his dad passed away and other family members passed away. Mm. Now, what if he be even older than his parents passing away from a similar heart condition as he did? If he didn't take steroids, I'm 100% convinced. If he never touched steroids, he would have still been alive. Then again, his knowledge was acquired by being a bodybuilder that took steroids and coached hundreds of athletes, right, along the way, and at his membership site, uh, the, the mountain dog diet website.com. And so I think he gained more knowledge in the meantime by being a bodybuilder taking steroids and helping people along the way. So it's, it's like an if, right? If then else uh, thought experiment, like would he been healthier and more alive if he didn't become a bodybuilder? Maybe, I guess we never know. But did the steroids lead to an early demise? It's very likely because you put a lot of stress on your heart. Even if you take blood pressure medications, you still put stress on your heart. So what we see nowadays is a lot of people, they, they die from genetic-related issues, right? So John Meadows had heart conditions in his family and passed away early. 
Joe's TEDx had uh, aneurysm uh, history in his family, passed away early. So if you have a genetic predisposition in your family of passing away from something like cancer or heart issues, cardiovascular issues, um, you know, anything that could be related to an early demise, um, you have to be extra careful. And that means also really making sure that you educate yourself on the subject or be smart enough to never even take anything at all. Like a good friend of mine, Dave McConey, has also got a podcast, Brain and Gains podcast. He's natural and he will stay natural because he did um, an MRI or a CT scan on his heart a couple of years back and he saw that his heart was uh, compromised. I can't exactly remember what the problem was. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of the atriums didn't close correctly or there was something with the valves. Um, and he's like, you know what, if I take steroids, which are causing left ventricular hypertrophy or heart enlargement in general, I'm putting myself more at risk than the risk I already have being natural. So I'm not going to take that chance. So he was smart. He quit while he was ahead. And he never got started. And he's a great natural bodybuilder. I mean, he's, he's doing very well health-wise. But he knows that if I go this route, I'm probably going to kill myself, you know, by taking these steroids. So he, mm -hmm. he decided not to do it. Now, how many people do organ imaging before their first cycle or look into their genetic makeup? I didn't. Uh, did you? Actually, that's something I've been trying to look into Yeah. Um, because I want to just because I'm just like him. I have the anxiety. Just like Larry Wheels, right. we have this anxiety that like even if it happens 10 years from now, 15 years from now, we still have the anxiety that it could happen. Yeah. So I've been trying to ask. Uh, I asked Derek. Um, I asked my doctor. Derek's like, you would probably be too young to like see anything, any difference. And then my doctor's like, no, you don't need it yet. You're too young. And I, I just kind of want to get it done anyways. Do it. Do it, but I mean, we're all financial secure, right? We're working online, we're influencers, so we make good money off the sport. And if you have the money, just reinvest it into your health because you'll last longer, obviously. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe ask around in your family or do a genetic analysis to see if you're you know, a risk candidate for a particular issue or a particular disease or particular cancer so you can address that early on and then be preventative, right? Medicine in the Western world is reactive. So you get sick and then they find a solution with medication. But if you want to be preventative, you have to take matters into your own hands by maybe not taking so much steroids or not getting so big or not eating so much food or you know, excluding particular PEDs that we can choose from. Mm -hmm. so, so you really have to be on top of your genetic limitations and, and you can do that with genetic analysis, you can do that with organ imaging, blood work. So I realized a long time ago that if I have cardiovascular disease in my family, I gotta be super selective on what I use. I can't eat too much uh, saturated fat. I can't uh, eat too much cholesterol. I got to make sure that my lipids, my HDL, my LDL, my total cholesterol are always managed, whether I'm off cycle or not. And I got to make sure that my inflammatory markers are down. I got to make sure that I do cardiac MRIs or cardiac CT angiograms to make sure that I don't have any plaque buildup. So I'm on top of that for the last decade. But I've been taking steroids for longer than that. So I didn't do that at the beginning because nobody was talking about it. But nowadays people talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I've been very preventative since the beginning. And I think one of the reasons why I've been very preventative or the, the, the result of that is that I'm in a good state of health now after taking steroids for almost 15 years. So if, you, if anybody's out there like yourself and you're worried about something, do the organ imaging, do the blood work. And then um, just because your blood work and organ imaging is good today doesn't mean it's good a year from now, mm -hmm. or five years from now. Right. And then if you see something that's off, then make the adjustment or come off completely mm -hmm. and, and fix that before you continue. 
that's why I think um I think you and Derek both responded the same way to um when I shared the the reel with Larry Larry yeah. Wheels claiming that um I'm not sure if it was he said Ryan too so maybe his current and his past coach yeah they both got angiograms they got echocardiograms they got um what else did they get they got a stress test yeah. mm-hmm. um and still ended up getting a heart attack and I think what he said is uh I mean there, honestly there's a multitude of factors one we're yeah. just taking Larry for his word that like they got all of those done. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus if you're having that lightheadedness and everything, and it sounds like maybe he didn't actually get the echo cardiogram mm-hmm. cause that's more likely a result of, um, cardiac remodeling. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, if he did, then the other thing is like, maybe you just, you know, some doctors maybe may think that you're good and maybe you need to go to another doctor to it's, it's okay to get a second opinion. You know, once you get the medical imaging done, you don't need to do the medical imaging again. You just take your your files from the clinic or the hospital. You bring it to somebody else if you're not sure. And again, not everything will show up. Like you have different levels of CT angiograms. So you have a pernuvio as a CT angiogram, which is more detailed than the conventional CT uh, scans with contrast that they have at some of the hospitals. That's why they, you know, uh, pernuvio, I think, or pernuv. I can't remember how you pronounce it exactly. But they got, you know, machines indexed all over the USA where you can test it for soft plaque buildup and hard plaque buildup. And some of the older CT equipment can't differentiate between that. So they might give you a calcium score of zero, even though you have soft plaque buildup. Mm. It's not calcified yet, but you need to know about it so you can be preventative from making it worse or going on, you know, uh, um, what is it, lumbrokinase and seropeptase, natokinase, very high doses with vitamin K, vitamin D3 to kind of help you reabsorb that plaque and and just make sure that it gets out of your arteries. So, yeah, you need to do imaging for that and talk with knowledgeable cardiologists. And unfortunately, not all cardiologists are familiar with what we're doing with our body because mm-hmm. it's so far beyond the medical field. And, it, and it's not their fault. You can't blame the doctors for not knowing because they work on general population. We're not general population. We take steroids. Mm-hmm. That's not what GenPop does. Right? So by taking steroids actively and following this bodybuilding lifestyle, this fitness lifestyle, you have the medical field here, a little box, and we're here in a different box mm-hmm. that they're not specialized in. So how many doctors can we actually go to that understand what we're doing with our body? Not many. And this is what a lot of people are making mistakes. They say ah, doctors don't know anything. No, they know a lot, but they don't know bodybuilding t- bodybuilders taking steroids. Mm-hmm. That's why you know it's, it's, we're all kind of guessing right to be honest you know so it's i mean you gotta basically take health in your own hands and if you're worried just do all the imaging and and still keep in mind that even if everything is green everything looks good it looks good maybe now or maybe you haven't tested it in depth enough to find something off Mm -hmm. but then again i mean you know gin pop also dies from the weirdest shit and it probably not have a cool life like we do Mm-hmm. You know, enjoying our lifting career and and you know making money online, living wherever you want. Mm-hmm. So you have to compare yourself always to Gin Pop. And I, I went to Disney World. I talked about this in the gym earlier, and you see people my age, forty years old, looking absolutely horrendous and fat and can't even walk, sitting in those scooters. You so, mean, dude, those donut burgers? Have you ever had a donut burger? No, but I saw them. <laughs> I mean, I, and it's what people eat, you know. Oh, I see. I saw savage. people in those scooters eating those giant pretzels, and I'm like. And they're my age. And they look horrendous. Wait, so, wait, wait, wait. So what's, it's long. what's wrong with the giant pretzels? 
Dude, it's fine, but if you eat them every day, you're not walking. Like me and my wife, we got 25,000 steps in at the theme parks, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you eat a little bit off your meal plan and, and you know you miss a couple of protein meals and you only eat carbs, and at least you can walk it off, right? You don't get yeah. too much fat. But those mm -hmm. people are sitting in scooters. Oh. Eating, you know, the, the, the Mickey Mouse pretzel that are, is this big, dipped in cheese, cheddar, and stuff. <laughs> and they're just, you know, going through the line and arguing with each other. So as long as when I compare the people in the fitness community doing weird shit with their bodies with performance enhancing drugs, comparing them to gin pop, even though we fuck up sometimes, we're way further than general population. I mean, their health is astoundingly bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know... I, to come back on the subject, like, can we do this healthily? Um, I don't think there's any safe performance enhancing drugs. Not even testosterone, because we take way more than we actually need physiologically. Mm -hmm. We go super physiological so we can build more muscle. But that being said, I mean, if you eat right and you train and you build a little bit of muscle tissue and you focus on your blood work and you do the health supplementation, I think you can improve the quality of your life um, while shortening it potentially. <laughs> I think we're just compressing our life, right? Let's say you have 90 years on this planet, average, and you take steroids for 50 years, a performance enhancing drug for 50 years. I think that 50-year window, you compress it into 10 years, so you take 10 years off your total life. Yeah, but you have a blast. But you have a blast. In those 40 years. No, yeah, pun, I mean, no pun intended. Dude, I, in this fitness industry, I've never met so many people who are enjoying their life as much compared to any other industry. Because I do consultations with all walks mm -hmm. of life. Yeah. People in the fitness industry, fitness industry, besides a little bit of drama that we have, everybody loves it. I mean, look, go to the Olympia, everybody's in a good mood, having fun, yeah, talking with each everybody's other. Everybody's so inspired. Exactly, right? And and even though we all are kind of crazy, like taking all these drugs and shit, I think, you know, there's, there's worse alternatives out there. Mm -hmm. And being addicted to recreational drugs, I mean, you walk through LA and you see people are way worse off. You know, veterans and then being addicted to stuff and then you know never found a home again coming back from war and i mean there's yeah there's way worse live uh, you know things to end up at like um yeah so can you do it safely probably not but can you do it responsibly if you get educated yeah mm -hmm. you know i have another uh another another message or mm -hmm. another um point just to play a devil's advocate okay for the audience but we were talking about how this day and age um, it's hard for us to find someone who wants to train Natty for 11 years. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are to Larry Wheel's claim that if you want to make it big and mm -hmm. um, big and competitive bodybuilding at a young age, sometimes you do just have to start young. Like, Yeah, but he's right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to. If you want to make it big you probably need steroids. But you can make it big when you're a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's going to be a Sam Sulek or not right. everybody's going to be a Larry Wheels. A Larry Wheels or a Chris Bumstead. Or Chris Bumstead. I mean, we can basically talk 10 guys that made it early on and 100,000 that didn't get there. But we didn't. We don't hear about these guys. Mm -hmm. And we don't hear about the Sarm Goblins doing or all inside <laughs> and shutting down their, their HPTA, right? And And... I mean, we don't hear about those guys. All the guys that are didn't get successful, so we th we're we're kind of brainwashed in that sense. Like all the guys that made it successful, they started early, so I got to do that. But if you don't get there, we don't hear about you. And and I was lucky to grow up without social media, so I didn't have that pressure. 
But kids nowadays, they have pressure. They want to look like you or they're mm -hmm. going to be as knowledgeable as me, which takes decades, you know, to get to my level of knowledge uh, because I've been researching since, since I was 15 years old. So that, it's going to take you 20 years to get there, mm -hmm. right? But to, to build a physique, you can do it a little bit faster. Will you build a great physique like yours? Maybe if you have great genetics, great shape, great parents, you know, to give you those those beautiful, you know, shape and waist, hip to waist ratio and shoulder ratio. Okay, maybe you get lucky, you get a good physique and then you make it on social media. But most people just have average physiques. I have an average physique. I mean, I can get a little bit more muscular, but would I be killing it on the competitive stage? No, I did. No way. So you, you got to be realistic with yourself and, and play on your strengths. Um, but if you really want to be a big jacked guy, mm. then yeah, you're going to have to start taking steroids early. I do still think you have one of the craziest backs I've seen though. Yeah. The back is good, but the legs, I, I never wanted to compete. I, I realized early enough that I, I, from a competitive aspect, I never had really had a competitive physique and I could be competitive at one point in time, mm -hmm. but I would have to dedicate my life entirely as an athlete. And then you miss out on so many other things. Mm -hmm. Because most of the athletes that are that I know, they don't have the knowledge because they're just too busy being an athlete. And and they miss out on traveling. They miss out on other business opportunities because they're so involved. And their health declines because if if they don't have great genetics, you have to compensate with drugs and hard work. And that takes away from so many things, you know. So, I mean, you really have to be selective on where you're going to go. But when you're young, you really don't know. I didn't know what I was going to be. I, I thought I was going to be a business consultant. And then, you know, the ec economic crisis happened. And, and social media came up. So I became something else. That's never too, too late to change. But I think when you're young, you just got to understand that um, if you start early, it might not mean that you're going to make it. Um, but the only real way of finding that out is by getting your hands dirty. So if you're going to go that route, hire a fucking coach, mm -hmm. please. Because it doesn't matter how much research you do at, at 18 or 21 years old or 23 years old, you don't have enough time in your belt to do all the research that's required. You don't understand the intricate nuances between blood work markers and how all these drugs interact. Because uh, the drug, drug interactions between steroids and ancillaries poorly understood. Not to mention all the pressure and decision fatigue that comes from also having a lack of knowledge. Yeah. Just trying to decide on what to do, but you're not sure because you don't have the experience in your belt to see multiple clients. Yeah. They're all over the place. Right? They're all, oh, maybe it's this. Okay, I'm going to make a change. And then that change affects something else for you, but you don't know how to recognize that, right? Because you don't have the experience yet. So if you're smart, you want to make it big and you want to take steroids, hire a coach. And then the problem is the, the smart and responsible coach is going to tell you to wait and earn it and do the blood work, which mm -hmm. you probably don't have money for yet. So this puts kids in a very precarious decision because they really want to be a social media influencer and make it big, but they don't have the knowledge or the financial means or, or just simply the determination to really make it. Because let's be honest, Sam Sulek just kind of was in the right place at the right time. And he for the same likelihood that he blew up on TikTok, he could have just been a statistic of the guys that didn't make it, mm -hmm. right? So. I mean, I love the guy. I, I I really like what he's doing. He's learning as he's going. He's figuring it out, just like everybody figured it out. But, of course, a lot of people are getting, giving him criticism because people are more knowledgeable nowadays and everybody has their opinion on a certain subject. But mm -hmm. I, I try to figure it out when I was 21. And, and just like you, you try to figure it out. But we weren't blowing up on social media having the entire world look at us. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, 
that's why all these reaction channels are so bad because and, and what i'm saying right now is probably bad because we don't give a shit about his mental health mm -hmm. we're just giving our opinion but that's millions of people giving us our opinion on particular people in the fitness sport and and nobody really thinks about well, what if the cumulative effect of my opinion and all these other guys opinion kind of catches on and adds up and then this guy i don't know gets depressed nobody ever thinks about that and, and let's be honest we all started bodybuilding for a reason you know we poor self-esteem we found ourselves too small we got bullied in high school or whatever right so yeah i think we should be a little bit more kind to each other and then if somebody's making those mistakes okay they'll figure it out eventually you know but again hire a fucking coach please it helps a lot mm -hmm. yeah i think it's hard these days though to find the right coach there's a lot of coaches and most of them are shit and then again, that's me being very harsh because I've done it for, you know, 12 years, 15 years. So I might know more than a lot of coaches and my approaches would be different compared to theirs. Mm -hmm. And I coaches now are a lot of pressure because there's, again, there's a ton of coaches. So there's a lot of competition. And you don't coach anymore either, right? No, I stopped. Thank so you God. were losing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, at least I'm putting all my information out there for free on YouTube. You know, okay, if you want personalized advice and you want an hour of my time or 20 minutes, it's going to cost you because get a cue card. There's so many people who want that. Um, so I'm, I'm not cheap anymore. But I made a conscious effort just to give everything away for free. After I had a conversation with Stan Efferding years ago, he's like, just put it out on YouTube for free. It will pay off. And he was right. Mm -hmm. yep. So I have hundreds of videos on YouTube just addressing every possible steroid related or, or performance enhancing drug related problem. And now I'm at a point where I go to the Olympia and people say, you know what? Every time I have an issue, I know you have a video about it. So <laughs> my channel, they That's just, awesome. They just search it and like, yeah, you know what? Steve has a video about this problem. So again, that's why I always say, tell people, said, listen, there's no excuse not to get educated because I have basically every problem covered on my YouTube channel. So all I have to do is use the search function. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to like and comment for the algorithm. Right? So I <laughs> boost to get a little bit of views and, and ad sensor. You have that memorized. Yeah, you have to, man. Otherwise, you know, people just watch and they're silent appreciators because <laughs> likes and comments go a long way. So, you know, to bring it, to bring it back, right, w with the content that's out there that I'm trying to provide for free, uh, you can coach yourself. But again, you have to do the research. And then when you're 18, 21 years old, it's, it's, I mean, going through 700 videos on my YouTube channel takes time. Mm -hmm. So hire a coach that you feel is going to be your best match and just feel them out a little bit, see how the communication is, see how they answer questions. And if they uh, just answer like, oh, I'm, I'm smart my way or the highway, don't give them any money, fuck off. Mm -hmm. I'd always make time to explain to all of my clients in depth why certain decisions and certain things were put in place. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of coaches out there and most of them are shit. But that's just me talking after coaching for a very long time. So I'm sure after when I was coaching for five years, all the experienced coaches probably thought I was shit. But I thought I thought I knew was what I was doing. But it mm -hmm. just takes time. Yeah. Right. The experience, getting the experience and really be a good coach takes time. And it's only natural for the bigger coaches, like John Meadows at one point he quit also. He just moved on. Mm -hmm. You know? He went to YouTube. The best combination is really like all the people in your team mm -hmm. of good quality people with knowledge and contributions putting their head together. So yeah. you know your knowledge, you have a good coach that's reliable, that actually right. cares about like your health, mm -hmm. isn't just giving you stacks so you win. Right. And then you have a doctor who like at least 
has some kind of understanding of I agree. bodybuilding and mm-hmm. isn't going to judge you for it. Right. I think having those three heads together is probably like the most powerful thing. Yeah, and then having a girlfriend or a partner who kind of reel you back in because we all take do way too much. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And I think without my wife, I would probably do stupid shit still. But then you get into a relationship and you realize, wait, it's not only about me. Mm-hmm. And then when you're thinking about kids and then you realize oh, it's it's about me, my wife, and my future kids. Right? So you can't be dumb anymore. Right. That's why sometimes when I see these guys die when they're, you know, um, a husband and the father, that kind of pisses me off because they, they know or I know that they should have dialed it back at that mm-hmm. point. You can't blast your socks off when you're responsible for other human beings. Right. Right. especially kids so as you grow older i'm assuming that yeah so when you're a parent you just got to reel it back in you know i mean there's other ways to make money and and, and provide for your family and again i mean when you're knowledgeable you don't have to be jacked 24 7 you could just give the information like i realized a long time ago that i don't need to be jacked on youtube uh, because the knowledge is still the same but maybe the presentation is a little bit less okay so be it i still i don't want to die mm-hmm. to look appealing to some people Right, I, it's that big. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, in all honesty, I feel like I feel like you right now, and mm-hmm. um, even Derek technically look more. Appealing. We're really better. <laughs> no, I'll be honest. I'll I be mean, honest. Like like his big ass Death Star delts were pretty sick, but yeah. uh, it was a little more off putting when they were just fucking carving the entire screen as he was talking about yeah, science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like nowadays, it's like. It's like it feels more like there's a professor, like a nice professor exactly, talking yeah, to you. Yeah, and I can still rather than a fucking clothes. giant fucking yeah, bro yeah. that has bigger delts <laughs> than you. Dude, when I go back to my Trust old me, videos. Trust me, bro. Yeah, you know, you're right. But when I go back to my old videos and I realize how big I was, like 255, 260 pounds and breathing heavy and just looking fucking bloated. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe that people actually followed me back then. But that, I was a hardcore bodybuilding channel. Hmm. And now I kind of, you know, diversified a little bit into TRT, general health, anti-aging. And I think that's better approach and, and just show people like, listen, you can be a jack bodybuilder and just kind of bring it down, go back to normal size, live a healthy life, look young again or younger than you looked, you know, when you were on cycle with your face this big and, and still, you know, be a part of the fitness community. Because a lot of people lose their identity, right? When they come off cycle, they, they don't know who they are because mm-hmm. they've been jacked all their life. I've actually always been curious about how... Um how the shredded fitness in, in, like influencers like continue to keep that up. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you also have a cosmetic effect of like the cycle that you're running, you know, and your cosmetic effect goes out, like say you're running Primo, I'm assuming your cosmetic effect for somebody would be peaking around 12 to 16 weeks, right? So I'm like, how do they just keep that going? So so we can j- take Joe's an example because I know exactly what he was doing and he was just on a, a 250 test, but doing two hours of cardio per day. Damn. And, and and doing intermittent fasting. And then every time he would go out to dinner, he would do two hours of cardio after that. Like, what are you doing? He said, dude, I, I love going out to dinner and meeting people and, and having a good time, but I need to stay in shape for Instagram. Hmm. So that's why sometimes he was a little bit moody or a little bit tired because he would just do hours of cardio just to stay lean and shredded for Instagram. And it's crazy. He couldn't take any of the fat burners because he was, you know, having those muscle spasms and cramps. So those just made it worse. Mm-hmm. So he was just dedicated. And I, I know a lot of fitness, influ- like you yourself, you were like on diet for like three years straight. Yeah. So, and, and, and not doing anything crazy in the meantime, like you can't be on Clint three years straight or DNP mm-hmm. three years straight. Mm-hmm. So I think all the smart guys they just realized, well, the, the hard work still applies. Caloric restriction, cardio, and training as hard as you can with the limited amount of cardio or calories that you have. 
So, but some guys don't do that. They're on fat burners year round, and they're on you know that's why. So, that's why some of these guys they tear all that's the so muscles. So hard in your heart. Point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you you'd be surprised how unhealthy some of the influencers are. I mean, eventually they come to me, right, with their blood work, and they're like, "Steve, what do I do?" I said, "You need you need to cover up for six months and come off." Yeah, but what do I do about my social media? I said, "Make some fucking content where you actually talk, and don't just show yourself." You know. And then the liver king didn't want to come off. Oh, most guys don't want to come off. So, so I mean, what can I do? I mean, I have my protocols on how to get people healthy or keep them healthy. But if you don't want to follow my protocols, then I can't work with you, right? Because then it's my reputation. If if somebody dies under my watch, because I mean, LK was close. He's close to death. He was that back then, liver king. He was close to death two years ago, and he looks even worse. And he, I'm sure his blood work is even worse now. So. I mean, how can you work with that? I'd be mortified if somebody dies under my watch, you know? Nobody's ever been to the hospital unless I sent them in for blood work mm-hmm. or organ imaging. I mean, how many coaches can say that? I mean, some coaches out there that have people on the Olympia stage actually had people die under their watch with their protocols. And that's fucked up, dude. And they're still getting clients. I, w- I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I would fucking retire if somebody died under my watch. So some guys that were so unhealthy, I just said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You need, you need to go to a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I, I, I can keep you healthy if you want to take these steroids, but mm-hmm. if you fucked yourself up already, then don't rely on me to get, get you healthy unless I feel confident that we can do it. But go to an actual doctor and, and just come off, please. Right. You know? I think a lot of guys are just scared about being judged by the doctors and stuff. And it's true because there's a lot that do, yeah. unfortunately. Um, it took me, I only finally found it a good the doctor i'm with today i only finally found a good doctor for what i'm doing in bodybuilding like when i moved here just coincidentally like four or five months ago maybe oh really yeah the whole the whole time before that and never had like a reliable doctor i could go to and talk to yeah um no it's very it's very frustrating for people like us because again mm -hmm. we're so far from a medical field that we don't have so many guys to rely on but now on youtube there's a lot of knowledgeable guys The, the, the clinic you're working with the clinic i'm working with they all have fantastic patient care coordinators and doctors who understand what we're doing. And then online, there's a couple doctors out there as well that um, just making sure that, that you know, we stay healthy because they take TRT and steroids themselves. Hmm. Um, like there's, there's a YouTube channel called Man Medicine out there. It's just a TRT doctor that completely understands how TRT works and does jujitsu. And, and uh, I always forget his name. I think his name is Andrew. Um, I should do a podcast with him at one point. So he's very knowledgeable about the subject. And just understand that some doctors are not really up to speed with the latest developments. Mm-hmm. So he tries to educate on YouTube and he makes like deep dives for like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, one hour long. Again, it's long. TikTok crowd can't take that. But the people who are interested in that kind of knowledge, they can sit there for an hour and just absorb the knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I do. I sit down there and I might do some dishes and, and, and vacuum cleaning in the meantime. But I make sure that I get it through and through in one hour sitting. Yeah. Because you have to educate yourself. And I, I, I'm not going to claim that I know everything. Mm-hmm. There's always more to learn, especially from a doctor that understands what we're doing. So yeah, it's difficult, but they're out there. You just have to look mm. for them. You know? Yeah. I think that's why I started a podcast is, in all honesty, mm. I don't know if I could tell you the last book I read, <laughs> but yeah. I could uh, reference hours and hours and hours of multiple podcasts. Yeah. If you needed, yeah, I agree. I agree. I met a lot of smart people in our industry having open discussions like this, and it's way faster and easier to learn 
because you feel like you're a part of the conversation. Mm. And with books, I mean, let's be honest, it's kind of like cars. But a car, by the time the car rolls out of the parking lot, it's outdated. And it's the same with books. By the time they hit the shelf and you bought them, the knowledge is a year old because it takes time to publish. So that's why the internet's so great. Mm. Because, I mean, Terzepidite, the GLP-1 plus GIP medication just got approved uh, on November 8th. So that's a couple of days ago. And, and I already know about it. Whereas normally you would have to wait, to wait, to wait for Terzepidite to hit the shelves or the compounding pharmacies. And they're like, oh, it's finally available. But now mm -hmm. with the internet, you know within a day. Mm -hmm. you made the, the Mr. Olympia results used to be in the magazines four months later. You would have to call Cold's Gym. Like, did, who won? Did Lee Haney won? No way. Did Frank Zane won, right? That's, that's how you would get your information. So the internet has everything. Mm -hmm. And again, if you find yourself in the internet researching, you can literally know everything. Right? Learning about mm -hmm. how to set a podcast or how to use steroids safely. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I think the internet is great. Why is it that, uh, why is it that some athletes get puffy cheeks during prep? It's just, learning it's just water attention. So it depends on what you use and what you eat. So if you use a lot of aromatizing compounds like testosterone, nandrolone, dianabol, then of course you have high estrogen and estrogen can potentiate water retention. And you combine that with high carbs and carb intake, which potentiate water retention. And then growth hormone and insulin. But like even even when they're like about to step on stage and they have puffy cheeks. Yeah, so normal. that's just genetics. Like some like Regan, I love you, but your cheeks are just too big. <laughs> you know? Cheeks are too big. And then Kai Green had the same thing. Mm -hmm. But it's just genetics. I mean, they like, have shredded glutes. They have right. you know chiseled abs. They're lean everywhere. But then they like jump off PEDs and then their, their cheeks just shrink. Like they become yeah, hard. Maybe, maybe they have a lot of androgen receptors in their cheeks. I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird, like some, and, and the same for me. Chubby like when cheeks. I'm when I on cycle, I have like huge face. Then when I come off, my face gets chiseled, and especially when I'm lean, I've just like sunken in yeah. lines, you know. Which I do like that look. Like, look why, yeah, extreme, exactly. I prefer to light. run. I prefer yeah. to run less stuff because my face looks better. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, but it's called bodybuilding. It's from the neck down. <laughs> That's the problem with us. Right? As soon as your physique looks good from the neck down, your face looks horrendous. Yeah, that was very off putting for me. Mm -hmm. Always. And, and of course, when you're large and in charge and you're kicking ass in the gym, running a boatload of gear and eating a boatload of food, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Until you look in the mirror, you're like, kind of look old, kind of look fat. Mm -hmm. I don't want to call them out, but like, for example, Ryan Terry, mm -hmm. like this year, his cheeks looked a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. And I remember these pictures where Chris Bumstead's cheeks were yeah. consistently bigger they consistently have those chubby cheeks on stage except for like one year i don't know if it was last year or the year before but his cheeks yeah. were like sunken in again and yeah i was just curious like i wonder why so so i mean the longer you diet the more the fat is going to go away from everywhere right so i would always say that if you still have fat cheeks you will still have a little bit more fat to lose and really kai, yeah and with kai green and regan grimes they could always be a little bit more dialed in you know so so i mean let's be honest they were in good condition but are they in like crazy condition like roman fritz no not really you know that takes that takes time so i, I think you really got to suck down before you have those chiseled cheeks again but when you're on steroids you know you it could mean that you just have a fat face lean body <laughs> yeah that's a fat face lean body it's just a term that we use for people who are not in shape yet and um and it just takes time to diet harder, but it's also compound selection. Right. And, and as soon as you... That's what I'm like suspecting is maybe it is like, you know, androgen receptors in your face plus compound selection yeah. or something. Yeah. And of course you have to be full on stage. So if you keep running the growth hormone all the way to the end, right, and you maybe use a little bit of anadrol, 
still fill out your muscle, then your face is going to be fuller as well. I mean, your face is full with muscles. I mean, I don't know how many there are in your face, but there's a lot of them to, you know, make us articulate and express stuff and raise our eyebrows and you can put Botox in it (laughs) (laughs) to not look old. But, uh, you know, it it just depends on what you're taking. And then when you come off and people look 10 times younger, right? Mm -hmm. So, So that's why I think it's okay to come off sometimes. And just let nature around its course. And if your testosterone levels are low, okay, then at least you learned how to appreciate what it feels like to be on cycle again. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was blasting and cruising for 10 years, but I would occasionally take one of the cruises off and just let everything crash and just see how I feel and, you know, look young again, take some pictures for, uh, you know, a driver's license and the, and the passport. And then you go and cycle again in your face. Like, <laughs> fucking... Perfect timing. Bulldog, yeah. (laughs) Good stuff, man. So, you know, with higher testosterone levels, you know, we'll correlate to like more side forehead muscles, whatever those are called. Yeah. And then um, like prominent frontal brow Mm. protrusion and, you know, receding hairline and stuff from increasing DHT. But have you noticed that there's anything in particular, maybe that some athletes do to avoid those like cosmetic androgenic side effects? So, so a lot of guys in classic physique and men's physique, they don't run a lot of tests. They just rely on the DHT derivatives. That's why some of them are going bald. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you can use, uh, you know, uh, topical anti-androgens or 5-alpha-reductase inhibitors, right? Or, or, or things that promote blood flow. So yep. if ketoconazole and minoxidil and RU5841. Yeah, I always forget that number. Um, so you can use all of those topically to mm-hmm. kind of prevent the hair loss going on for to a certain extent. Uh, but you would thin over time eventually, even if you use those. Um, so that's why, you know, competitors that use a boatload of DHTs or, or 19 nors eventually go bald. And, and you know, the testosterone, the trend balloon, I think they're more pronounced when it comes to the facial changes. And with DHT derivatives, I feel you don't see that as much. So that's why you see with open bodybuilders, you see more of the facial changes compared to classic physique or... Uh, or men's physique, because they, mm. they tend to not run trend and testosterone is high, even though that's not the case for all of them. Because I, again, I see the blood work, and some guys are still on 700 milligrams of trend year round. Whoa, yeah, that crazy man. Yeah, because they want to stay in shape for social media, they want to look freaky year round. <sighs> that much trend year round, that's like I feel like that's just an absolute recipe for disaster. You just it is. it is. Why do you think sometimes these guys just disappear? Right, or they have a muscle tear and then they disappear, or they fake an injury and they disappear because they're so unhealthy. So I tell these guys that they send me the blood work and it's horrendous. And they do the organ imaging and their kidneys are not good anymore. They're chronically inflamed. They got some necrotic tissue, like black spots, literally, on the on the ultrasound. And then you're like, dude, you gotta quit. You know, you gotta. So so how how do I do it? So it'll fake an injury then. You know, say that you tore your bicep, and then everybody understands that you need to come off and hide away. So that, and then, oh, you made a miraculous recovery because the bicep was never torn. The kidneys were fucked. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. And uh, mentally, they can't deal with the truth. You know, they don't want to put it out there that they fucked their kidneys for, for, you know, from drug abuse. Okay. So they have to. Especially if they're like not open about it, you mean? Like yeah, PED use? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So they'd rather fake an injury than, I than, than say that, listen, I, I took training around for three years straight to be competitive and look good on social media. Um, so, you know, we're going to go with the second best option. Mm. Yeah, that's very unfortunate, but I'd rather have them do that than continue and stay shredded 
and then blow out their kidneys, and then they really turn into nothing, and they're on dialysis. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I see a lot of this shit going on. That's, that's why I didn't want to coach anymore, because it's just nonstop. And it doesn't matter how much information I put out on YouTube, I think that the, the generation that's out there now, it's just too late for them. It's a new generation, the kids that are coming up now, that you can educate early on, listen, don't do this, don't do that. Right. Stay on top of everything, treat it like a job, and then maybe you get through to some of them, which I mean, plenty of these guys at the Mr. Olympia, the young guys that thought they were ready, watched my YouTube channel, and then realized they weren't ready. So they decided to wait another five years to take steroids. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's so a that, lot. It's a lot of, yeah, and they're like, Steve, I don't know half the stuff you're talking about. They said, well, okay, just watch it again, pause it, go to, you know, Google or, or Wikipedia or PubMed and research more until everything makes sense that I'm talking about, and then you, then you should be ready, you know? Of course, by the time they are, you know, did more research, my channel will be even more in depth because I learned more along the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think that old generation is kind of too late, um, unless they're really on top of their health. Um, but the new generation, they can make better decisions for sure. Yeah, and not do seven hundred trend year round three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Social media game just ruined everything health wise. Right. Yeah, because everybody wants to be competitive. I have still yet to touch trend. Good, good. Stay away from it. I, I, my wife told me not to use train anymore eight years ago, nine years ago, oh. and I haven't touched it since because I was intolerable. I was just moody and angry yeah. and pissed me off. That's, I think that's the scariest part for me is like my number one thing mm -hmm. over everything is first, of course, my life, and then yeah. second is my mental health because yeah. your mind is everything. Whatever's in here is your reality. You know. So if I feel like ass, if I have a little bit of sleep, I think about everything negatively yeah. i think about my friends negatively i think about my life negatively everything just sucks mm. even though it's not true so yeah. i can't imagine putting myself in that like permanent state by taking trend it just seems not worth it like my friend nathan brooks mm. he competed for his first show looks phenomenal i think he has very close genetics to uh ramon do mm. you know he has giant ass forearms small oh, waist yeah. all this cool. shit um but uh he just quit after his first show, he won first place, and then he, he was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, oh, my mentals he, were just too bad. It was just miserable. I, and, and and there's ways around that, but you have to take more stuff to deal with your mental side effect, whether that's weed or kratom or SSRIs. I mean, so you're taking more stuff to combat the side effects of the training right. alone. And honestly, if you train, you know, with just test and primo and then maybe some anivar for a couple of years, you get that muscle maturity, so you don't need train anymore. Like most of the advanced and, and seasoned competitors, they use a low dose of trend um, because they know they don't need much and the muscle maturity is already there. But if you're just getting started, then trend is a, basically a gift from the gods because it will give you muscle maturity even though you technically don't have it. Mm. And that's why a lot of kids nowadays, they like Tremblone because it, it compensates for all the things that aren't there yet. The diet isn't structured yet, trend will compensate for it. The, 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 Cosmetically. The, Cosmetically, yeah, yeah. The training isn't optimized yet. The trend will compensate for it. All the mistakes that you're making, trend will just, you know, say, oh, don't worry, bro, I'll take care of that. Mm -hmm. Just give me your kidneys. Just give me your kidneys. <laughs> give me your kidneys. Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah, so that's what trend does. And Shit. that's why it's so popular nowadays, because you can do everything wrong and still get great results. Mm. Um, and of course, if you do everything right, then you only need maybe 50 to 150 milligrams of trend per week. And it, those low dosages, your mental sides should be minimal, but they'll still be there. Mm -hmm. Even at a low dose of 100 milligrams of trend per week, 200 milligrams, I would, I would still get weird thoughts and 
you know, everything is negative and it's like this perpetual rain cloud over your head. So I was like, fuck this, I'm out. I'll just use Test and Primo mm-hmm. and Hanivore. That's it. What are your thoughts on uh, NPP and DECA? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, say like off season or something with like the whole green cloud, you know, thoughts in your head and then like lack of yeah. like libido. What yes. are your thoughts? So, on so some people get that from Deca, like uh, Nandrolone, the Canway, it particularly seems to cause depression in some people. And whether that's, you know, with daily injections or twice per week injections, it's just people just don't feel good on it. Right. And I always tell people, if you don't feel good, just don't take, don't take it, it because there's so many alternatives. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with rec drugs. If you don't feel good on, on recreational drugs, XYZ, people are smart enough. Like I, I smoked weed once and I did feel good. So they stopped. But then when Nandrolone, they're like, oh, I have to take it because I need to be jacked. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You can take something else, you know, or, or you know, take care of your joint health through other methods. Mm-hmm. Right? Take a little bit of uh, collagen supplements and some Boswellia extract and some curcumin C3 complex to get lower the inflammation. There's always alternatives. So Nandrolone, I think, has its place if you're really training super heavy. And then 50 to 200 milligrams per week is more than enough. Or if you're a testosterone non-responder, right, you might do nandrolone only, even though that comes with its own set of issues like low testosterone, low estrogen. Yeah, I remember us talking about this last podcast. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, there's plenty of guys that get great results from nandrolone only. Uh, I think it's worthy of an experiment for everybody to mm-hmm. try. Um, and then maybe some people realize that, okay, nandrolone only was fun. I did it twice, um, but I like tests more because I am I respond well to tests. Yep. And both saw, you and me. Yeah, I love yep. tests. It's bioidentical, man. It's uh, I mean, I, I went up to two thousand five hundred milligrams test. Right? And you're honest about your doses. People think you're crazy. You run how much test? Two and a half grams. That's it. Two and a half grams of test and an aromatized inhibitor. And I had a phenomenal time. And my blood work was the best it's ever been. Really? Cycle. Yeah, oh, my lipids were perfect. That's crazy. Yeah, my HCL was fifty. Were you taking day. Were you taking other medications like azetamide at no, the same time? No, no, I, did, I didn't know about that at the time. What? So I took citrus bergamot and fish oil with each meal. So citrus bergamot five hundred milligrams morning in yeah. the evening again, so a thousand milligrams citrus bergamot per day, and then about eight hundred milligrams of fish oil. So it's like the pharmaceutical grade where you have high DHA and EPA, uh, very high omega three content. So it's about three thousand milligrams EPA DHA per day. Uh, besides the fish and the walnuts or whatever else you get omega-3s from. So I, I would do that with every meal. And my HDL was 50 and my LDL was like 110. Wow. That's that's yeah. mind-blowing to me. Exactly. Do and my f- SHBG was still good and my neurosteroids were still good. How much cardio were you doing a day? About 30 yeah. minutes. 30 minutes? 30 minutes in the morning, one meal, go to the gym, train for two hours. I mean, I literally felt like a god, so Do you, you got to train. <laughs> and then I had three more meals. I went to the gym again for an hour and did that five times a week. But oh, cardio, shit, cardio every go. single day. Yeah, cardio. Every single day. I've been doing that since I was, I don't know, 27 years old, cardio every day. Do you think you might be genetically gifted in terms of like HDL, LDL ratio? Oh, no. Yeah, you put Winstrol in my stock and it's my HDL is four and my LDL is 170, <laughs> you know, without Four. without acetamide. Yeah, my HCL just, just destroyed. Hmm. Yeah, so it depends on what I take. So that's, that's interesting. That's why I take. I tell most guys, like, listen, if you're not going to compete, if you just want to be jacked and be a little bit bigger, just take test. Mm-hmm. Test and an aromatizing inhibitor, or test and maybe Primo to bring your estrogen down, or test and Masteron to bring your estrogen down a lot. Yep. Right? Let's yeah. compare it both to what, you know, what you're doing. We love the test and primo. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's a good combination. You don't need an aromatized inhibitor. And I, I'm, I don't believe that aromatized inhibitors are the devil at all. Like a lot of guys are against aromatized inhibitors because they don't understand how to interpret scientific evidence. 
Mm-hmm. They, they go through aerobatized inhibitors, they look into scientific evidence, and look at all these side effects. Yeah, those side effects are the same as low estrogen. So if you overdo the aromatized inhibitors, you bring your estrogen down, you get the exact same side effects as postmenopausal women who have no estrogen. So you think the cholesterol side effects, like they're not really prominent if you you, are still within estrogenic range? So if you use an aromatized inhibitor intelligently to bring your estrogen down to favorable ranges, let's say uh, 30, 40, 50 picograms per milliliter, Right, maybe 65 at the highest, and over that, most people would experience gyno. Mm-hmm. So you keep it as high as you can tolerate for cardiovascular health, uh, mental stability, insulin sensitivity. I mean, there's a boatload of benefits when it comes to estrogen. So you keep it in a favorable range compared to your testosterone. And guess what? None of this uh, supposed side effects of aromatized inhibitors will play out because all those side effects are related to low estrogen, not the aromatized inhibitor itself, mm. with the exception with anastrozole, because anastrozole actually inhibits a couple steps of the neurosteroid cascade, including cholesterol metabolism. So if you take anastrozole, it also prevents the metabolism of cholesterol, mm. and thus cholesterol levels go up. Go up, okay. Yeah, so with aromacin, you don't see that. So if you want to use test in aromacin, you do your blood work, and your estrogen levels are in range, and if you're prone to DHT side effects, you might have to control that also. Because less test that converts into estrogen means that you have more tests to convert it to dihydrotestosterone. So it might be have to manage that if you're prone to hair loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's no free rides. But I'm of the firm opinion that if you want to be a part of this fitness industry, use tests in an aromatized inhibitor and see how far that takes you. Mm. And then if you want to, or if you're making money off your physique, then you can look into something else. Gotcha. You know, like mm-hmm. you're making money, I'm making money. I, we have the opportunity to use a little bit more um, to educate and, and to look a certain way to be competitive, you know, because we're making money. But I think a lot of these guys that don't make any money off the sport running crazy dosages have no place doing it because they're just detracting from their health. Unless you really love bodybuilding and use it for mental health. I mean, how many guys use bodybuilding for mental health? I did. I did many too, years. yeah. yeah for I did sure. For many years, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was my outlet. Yeah. And you know what the weird thing is? Like a lot of guys, they go to the gym for mental health, right? They need to need to feel strong and deal with the mood and aggression. Mm-hmm. And they bundle it up and they go to the gym to let it out there. But you, it's positive reinforcement. <laughs> <laughs> so every time you're like, oh, I'm angry, I'm going to keep it and go to the gym and kick ass. But you keep doing that and it never goes away. I only realized this a couple of years ago. So you stop training with aggression you realize that the aggression wasn't there. You're just positively reinforcing that. And when you go to the gym and just let go and have fun and enjoy yourself, and if somebody interrupts your set and they want to talk, it's okay. Because you're, you're, you know, you can pick back up the pace a little bit later on and then you feel so relaxed. It's so weird. Like I trained with like this intense hate and this anger thoughts in the back of my head to lift this weight and it was never needed. It was never needed. I thought I was doing therapy, but it was just enforcing it. It's so weird that you realize that when you get older. I do believe, though, there's like a, we have the ability to turn off and turn on. Yeah. You know, just like, honestly, a lot of things when it comes to like mental health in mm. society, like um, being able to like have flow, you know, mm. like a monk, yeah. not always being rigid and with one opinion or one view. Right. But I do think like, you know, when you go to the gym and finally you're hitting that last set, you're like, shit, yeah. this is hard. Yeah. Maybe it's a little nice to turn on that little, it is. The little anger it back is. there. Like, think about that that ex that cheated on you or something. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So I, I can still turn on to it if I want to, but I used to do that before every set. 
you know, just mm-hmm. tap into something that's nasty. And I wouldn't even think about whatever happened back in the day. I would just tap into the, the negative energy. Mm. And so I'd be blank mentally, but I'd have that rage feeling, that, that silverback yeah. moment. And for the set, and people look at me like, I was fucking <laughs> You know, I mean, you remember that, right, Dave? Uh, just train, and we used to train together when she was competing. We'll get right back to the podcast in a second, but I just wanted to take this break to thank you guys immensely, because this podcast is my favorite content to create, and I couldn't have done it without you guys. Contributing to it will further help its growth and allow us to listen to more amazing guests such as the one you're listening to today. So if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating us a five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcast or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And if you would like to help fund the podcast, you can do so by using Nile for a discount off of Young LA Clothing or Huge Supplements. Thank you guys again so much. We'll be right back to the podcast. So yeah, so I would use train with my wife when she was competing. And then I, I would do a set and I would just go to a, a dark place mentally and tap into that raw emotion and just enforce it. And I've been, I stopped doing that the last couple of years, uh, also experimenting with uh, you know SSRIs and neurogenic aids. And I, uh, I was able to completely let that go. And now, now I just have fun in the gym. Yeah, now I just have fun and training mm-hmm. you know, with happy thoughts. And then like, man, that was a good set, Steve. Instead of like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. that's that's all gone now so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm way more at peace yeah but uh, when i got started i mean you, you you get started because you're too small or you get bullied or there's something negative going on and it's a great outlet but i would implore everybody to kind of you know not hold on to that thought because i did it for like 20 years dude yeah 20 years of rage in the gym maybe that's why i'm smaller now maybe i do need to tap into it so i can stay large right i don't know it's like keeping a grudge anyone who's holding a grudge continuously yeah doesn't make you happier exactly yeah and then you combine that with trend oh man <laughs> oh man hide your wives hide your wives <laughs> i actually had a friend uh i kind of want to uh well maybe it's private i have a friend that people know he was on the podcast before that uh i think he, he was running test something in trend maybe test tech and trend or something um and he said uh he didn't think there was anything wrong he didn't feel like he felt any side effects but then when he came off yeah because uh, I think his, his girlfriend, I'm not sure if his girlfriend mentioned something, but when he finally came off, he realized that while he was on it, he did not want to be in a relationship. Oh, yeah. yeah. He just did not want to be in the relationship. And then when he finally came off the stuff, he was like, wow, I love her. Like, I want to stay in this. Yeah. Like, I get it. And then it takes a couple of weeks before you realize that, you know, when the trend is completely metabolized and you're off this just perpetual red cloud, and then, you know, it goes away and the sun is finally out. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I can't enjoy life. <laughs> yeah, but it takes a while. Yeah, and and I remember we had this discussion a couple of years ago with my wife, and she's like, you know what, I don't really like how you act on trend. I was like, okay, well mm. then I'm gonna have to make a hard choice. I had all the other girls before her. I would say, okay, it's trend. It's not you. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because not everybody's worth it to stay. In, you know, when when you're faced with a choice like that. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, trends out because I'm enjoying my time with my wife way too much. Or my <laughs> girl, maybe were, you were my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. No. So, you know, at one point you gotta have to make the hard decisions and then leave compounds, you know, off the table. Mm-hmm. There's so many to choose from anyway. So right. If I could just use yeah, it's trend never really necessary. You know, I keep hearing this from so many people. Larry, yeah. Chris Bumstead, all yeah. these people just quit trend. Yeah. And 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 Larry's. I mean, he plays second. He almost missed out on a pro card. Yeah. You know? and and nobody then, believes that he was on when he was on. No, <laughs> of, of course. course. But it's it's always the case. I mean, look how he trains. I mean 
trains like a fucking animal. I, I I couldn't even do what half of what he does on all the drugs I ever took in my life all the same time. You know, it's just he's a freak, and and Chris is a freak too. You know, so these freaks are out there, and then they talk about dosages, and nobody believes them. But they live like full time athletes, you know, and they have the financial means to to kind of do everything else, like. We make good money so we can do all the deep tissue massage therapy and we can do all the therapy and we can do all the imaging. I mean, Chris Bumstead had some stem cells done and then Larry Wheels has had great contacts in Dubai, Dude, right? stem cells. Freaking, um, who was it? Uh, uh, glasses, super good arm wrestler. <laughs> uh, Schoolboy? I'm brain fighting so bad right now. Uh, yeah. oh, he's in. He's on the young LA team. James. James. Yeah. Schoolboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, James was telling me about him. Um, he uh, like got hooked up with this uh, stem cell clinic or something and tried yeah. to fix his arm. They stuck stem cells in it, and he was mm. telling me about, like, I was telling him about glutathione because he was interested, and I was like, yeah. yeah, out of all the injections I've ever had, glutathione's probably the most painful. Yeah. Um, unless, like, Transcend does have this one lucky, like, less painful one, but normally it's mm. just, it sucks. No, it sucks. Yeah, but then he was telling me about stem cells, and it feels like it's just expanding your muscle, like it's about to explode the whole time they're doing it. And then... Um, it's very uncomfortable. For yeah. Effort. He just, there was another, there was another, like, area that he needed to do and he just skipped it because it was too painful oh james <laughs> keep doing it man keep doing it i mean it's he, he had some surgeries also you know on his his hip and stuff and yeah and and yeah i mean it's it's game changing for a lot of people but then you look at the cost and that's very off-putting for most guys you know they right. can't they can't drop 15 to twenty five thousand dollars on stem cells oh you know, and then you go to Mexico or Colombia and you can get it done cheaper, but then you have to include the flight and the, you know, the, the hotel fees and not being in the United States close to home or wherever you live. That's what it adds up. Like how many people have like 20K disposable income to spend on stem cells? <laughs> not many. No. Not many, you know. So, and that's, and, and of course there's influencer discounts. So if I go for stem cells, I probably pay half than what regular people pay. So yeah, we're in a good position. Um, and that's why a lot of young kids want to take the steroids and get on YouTube. And I mean, I, I just went to zoo culture, right? It's like a, it's like a, it literally is a zoo of right? tripods. Yeah. Especially at noon. Yeah. You went at prime time, by the way. It's yeah. it's like, it's, it's like, like heaven a hundred for tripods. In, yeah. A hundred for influencers. It, it's heaven, right? You have all these tripods and all these camera guys and everybody's filming their workouts and, and everybody's trying to make it big. And, I, and honestly, I have, I have no idea who these people were. <laughs> and then Mark showed me and I said, this guy's, it's got a million. I'm like, who this is you know but i guess those guys are also killing it financially mm -hmm. so those guys could all afford stem cells and all the other young kids that want to be a part of that like that's that's a aspiration of kids now they want to be an influencer mm -hmm. i know social media whether that's with gaming or with uh i don't know or toy reviews or, or in the fitness industry tiktok dancing yeah tiktok dancing right right and it's yeah it's it's weird yeah i am i'm a little bit old school i guess i just kind of fell into it Oh, yeah, sure. Sure, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one influencer who didn't want to. Yeah. No, but I, I was very, I think, you know, I was with Tony Huge, right? Like years ago, he kind of yeah. gave me my first lift off. I just met him at Olympia actually last yeah. week. Yeah, I saw him there also. So, so I did videos with Tony and then I was always a little bit nervous about the comments and I would read all of them and it'd be a little bit off-putting. Like, maybe this is not for me. 
you know and then but then i got a lot of positive response so i felt like doing more videos with tony but he would only upload like 25 percent of them because <laughs> yeah maybe his, he didn't agree with the opinion or he thought it was too controversial or people wouldn't understand what i was talking about so after a while i was like you know what I, if i want to put this content out there i'll just make my own youtube channel and, and give my own information right so I, thanks to tony people already knew about me and i had a little bit of a following on instagram so i was able to move people to my channel and then, and then at one point, Derek found me when I had like three thousand followers on YouTube. So we, we, I think it was like the third person on the Gorilla Mind team, and now they got over a hundred. Uh, so all those guys took my affiliate sales away. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not really. But um, so you always need to get a, a you know, a lift off, right? A, a place to get started. In the beginning, the the, the response was very, very good. Nice, so, huh? Yeah, I yeah. felt felt going. Then, of course, after all, you get into drama and uh, death threats for you know whatever reason, and yeah. But it it took me a while to really adopt the social media thing, and and now it feel that it comes naturally. But in the beginning, man, the, yeah, you're an absolute natural at this. Yeah, for sure. So, but the first year, the first batch of videos that I put on YouTube, oh man, I had to take offline. It was so bad. No, <laughs> we've so all bad. we've all done that. Yeah, all of us. So bad. So like, people are like, "Where are all the old videos?" I think I took like 100, 150 videos offline. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, I was just not because I didn't have a disclaimer, and and with steroid content, you need a disclaimer before you can even monetize it. So I was like, okay, well, these videos are just I'll just redo them, and then put a disclaimer on it so I can monetize it so I can grow the channel better. But yeah, I was awkward as shit, dude, with my weird haircut and <laughs> jacked and snoring while I was awake. And <laughs> yeah, I hate times. watching my old videos too, but we all do. Yeah, yeah, it just makes you cringe, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, I can't believe it was. Yeah, I'm sure I'll cringe of the, the videos that I make nowadays also when I'm 50. <laughs> I used to make these music videos when I first was on YouTube. I, oh, made, yeah? I made, I would do singing split with me playing saxophone, clarinet, drums, Oh, guitar really? Split piano, screen. Split screen. Yeah, I just do it all at the same time and I try to cool. sing at the same time. And That's cool. Did yeah. those go viral? Uh, no, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> some some, uh, some artist in the attic, you know? Yeah, like just like, because Joe Static started with like biking, right? Yeah, right? yeah you started with biking. Like yeah. bicycle tricks. <laughs> Crazy. We all start somewhere, dude. Yeah, somewhere totally random. It's no, awesome. My, my YouTube channel, I started about just being a bodybuilder in Thailand and I started my YouTube channel in in 2011 it's before i met my wife wow so i have so like the earliest videos which are all offline it's just going to particular gyms we went to old gyms in back in the day remember? that's crazy change our i used to have a beard i think 2011 is literally when like i had my my first instagram yeah oh 2011 yeah, 2011. yeah it was like close to when instagram came yeah. out yeah, so it was early days of social media and i was awkward as shit, just training and trying to present and stumbling over my words and then coaching took off. So I, I just let the YouTube channel go. And then later on, because of Tony and then Derek, I started getting more popular on YouTube. So it's only been the last four or five years that I'm back on YouTube. Yeah, since 2017, 18 time. And then well, now I'm breaking 100,000 subs. Took Let's long, go. Yeah. Took, yes. Took a long time though. Took yeah, a long time. Very yeah. well deserved though. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a hell of a road. So since we were talking about um, health earlier, there's a question that I really want to ask. So sure. now in 2023, you know, we know that, uh, we know many kids are taking steroids already. Mm. Um, and they will, many of them will, regardless of what anyone says. Yeah. So if you had five minutes that you could tell someone some non-commonsensical things to do to avoid an early death and other consequences, what would you tell them? Uh, do your blood work. So you have your inner health 
right in front of your nose and then be an adult about it and make the decisions. So if you see yourself unhealthy, uh, throw in the towel or lower the dose or make the adjustments so you can stay healthy. And then the golden rule of taking steroids is um, go with a reputable source because there's so much shit out there. And most of the steroid labs that don't give a shit about your health, they care about making money. So they use synthetic carrier oils, which are not good for you, or they underdose their product, or they're not sterile, or they're filled with chemicals or heavy metals. And why are my iron levels and my magnesium levels and arsenic levels so high? It's because you're injecting that shit. Mm. People don't know about this. So stick with pharmaceutical stuff, stuff that's still FDA approved. So that's test, primo, nandrolone, the injectables, that's it. it. Sucks. Anivar, unfortunately for the people in the United States, compound Anivar is no longer available. Wait, really? Yeah, that's it's got banned like two weeks ago. In the United States? Oh. Really? Yeah. Like HRT companies can't Yep. Can't can't prescribe Anivar anymore. Do you know why? Um well you have to get political, but the oh. current current administration is very anti anti steroids. So HCG got banned. It's still available under very limited prescription uh, dosage uh, reasoning, but HCG got taken off because it's a biological, and now the all the peptides are taken off because Eli Lilly and and some of these compounding uh, or some of these big manufacturing companies of terzepidite and liraglutide and duloglutide and semaglutide are complaining that all these compounding pharmacies are copying these uh, appetite suppressants and then putting in a little bit of vitamin B twelve. Uh, to bypass the patent because it's a different formula and 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 offering that at a much lower price than what the semaglutide like the wago v and the uh, what are these brand names i mean uh but you're not saying that people can't get hcg anymore though no they can't that doesn't even make any sense to me i know but like, that's that's what the administration to... in the us are trying to do so anivar is off the menu hcg is off the menu most of the peptides from the compounding pharmacies are off the menu that's why you see all the gray area peptide websites. They took everything off. Everything off. Like some of my sponsors, they already took all the stuff off. That's crazy. I feel like taking ECG is the most ridiculous thing you do. There's people that need that. Yeah. Yeah. So people need that for their babies. Exactly. <laughs> so so for, for fertility purposes, it's still prescribed, but it's the, the cost is now like four times or five times higher. Um, so a vial of ECG would run you $100. So it drives everybody underground. So instead of going to the compounding pharmacy, getting a script, getting it legitimately high quality pharmaceuticals, you now have to go underground and go with a peptide website that still offers it, but you don't know the quality. Or a steroid dealer that offers pharmaceutical grade uh, and they have to risk importation or pay a surplus for a domestic remailer. So it's, this makes everything very problematic that at least in the United States, like in Thailand, they can buy everything I need over the counter in the pharmacy, no problems, no questions asked. But here in the US, in Europe, especially Germany, Sweden, some of these countries, it's just becoming more difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really cracking down hard on it because the big pharmaceutical companies, they, they want their bucks. You know, they want to make sure that they get paid. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, so for the young guys out there, um, you really have to learn sourcing um, probably more than you learn about training. Hmm. Training is easy, that's fun. But sourcing is complicated. Mm -hmm. It's just as complicated as... as um, you know, learning about how to use the steroids safely. Yeah. So I have videos about this on my YouTube channel, what to pay attention to. Of course, those don't really get watched, <laughs> mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, so for the young guys out there, I mean, there's a huge learning curve and you have to do the research just to make sure that you stay on top 
of the latest development because uh, your Anavar might not be Anavar and your ACG might be not AC, it might be something else. Your testosterone might be, well, maybe the annotated propionate or something else, and your masterone is testosterone propionate. So, yeah, it's getting more difficult. Yeah. Especially at the starting level. That's why a lot of guys go to SARMs. Right? You can buy SARMs at all these websites with discount codes, and then and everybody gets a kickback and just runs mastering, which is a terrible idea. It's horrible drugs. SARMs. SARMs are for quitters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sums are for pussies. Yeah, sums are for pussies. <laughs> sums are for pussies. I mean, real men inject. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, sorry to say it. But it's, no. No. I thought that they looked promising a couple of years ago when we do the research. It's just shit drugs. Just shit. Like all those pro-hormones that got discontinued and then suddenly the market was flooded with pro-hormones a couple of years back. Those were all the steroids that were rejected. Right? Those are like, like the F steroids, right? Like that would be like a, a 10 out of 10 woman. Right? Those are all FDA approved and everybody would like a piece. <laughs> and then you have the five out of 10s that nobody wants. And then the one out of 10s that shouldn't even be walking the street, right? Shouldn't be in the, in the, in the dating pool. Those are the pro hormones in the SARMs. <laughs> and people still slam them. Oh, They're still slamming the one out of 10s, unfortunately. Yeah, so, no. They need some love sometimes, Steve. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter how much train you're on, the, the, the one out of ten is not any love. It, it just, just leave them be. Leave them at Disney World. Oh, Disney World. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry. I'm excited for my podcast to get canceled. Oh, no. Yeah, just cut it out. Just cut it out. <laughs> I was talking to Giordani the other day, too, where he was talking uh, about getting him on the podcast. I'm like, I can't wait for uh, you to cancel my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're going to get when you get guests on, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Especially Giordani and his 10 banned Instagram accounts. He just got 10 banned already. I don't know how many, but he's gotten banned from Instagram multiple times. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, dude. I can't. It sucks. You put your life's work on your Instagram, mm -hmm. right? And then you, you basically have to self-censor. You do. But he's, he's, he's a little special. Though. He's a little crazy. He's a little extra yeah. polarizing. Yeah. It's all right. But it, yeah. we need, it's we just need, who he is. We need more guys like that. But the social media platforms, they hate you if you're they do. too opinionated. Yeah, so I do plenty of self-censorship also. Self-censorship. Yeah, because I'm, I don't want to lose my YouTube channel or my Instagram account. Mm -hmm. you know? It sucks. You have to start from scratch. And then let's say you have 100,000 followers or subscribers and you get your, your YouTube channel banned and you basically start from 25,000. You know, a quarter is going to find their way back and then your views are down and yeah, it sucks, dude. So you got to be super careful. If you're super popular, then it's okay. You get a million on the, on the next day, right? We've seen that happen. Real people get banned and then the next day they got a million followers on their new account. Who are those? Jesus. Just, I've seen it happen with some of the influencers. They just get banned and they make a backup channel and then they got a million followers again. It's crazy. Yeah, those it's are all, re all real followers now. Uh, yeah. What happened to me? Maybe 10,000. Like, yeah, I was Steve, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want to change the subject a little bit. Um, sure. Yeah, a lot of things have happened since our last podcast and then we went to Olympia. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about Olympia? What are your thoughts of uh, the outcome? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I like Derek Lunsford. I love the guy. I wanted him to win. And I think he deserved it on Saturday night, um, even though Hadi improved quite a bit. But Hadi was off on prejudging. And... and, and Guys, I know all you Iranian fans, you better slow down because I was there. <laughs> you, you better guys, slow down. And you guys were watching it 
on the live stream, right? And the live stream and being there in person is different. So Hadi at the prejudging Friday night was getting worse and worse and worse as the prejudging was going along. Wow. From the back, from the front, he's still a great, but his back was soft uh. and watery. So if you can flex as hard as you can, but if you're soft and watery, it detracts. And the problem is Derek was killing it from the back. He was. But. Back was nuts. He was back on both dates, Friday and Saturday, right? So on the prejudging on Friday, he killed it from the back. And on Saturday, he looked a little bit improved. But how do you improve tremendously from Friday to Saturday? But he's the champion. He should be good on both days, right? Mm -hmm. But then again, previous champions, Phil Heath, he was also the, the, you know, the king of Saturday night, right? On Friday, it was a little bit not good. And then he would improve a lot by Saturday. But he would keep winning. So there's, there's a lot of things to say for this Olympia. Because why did Hadi uh, not get a pass? like some other champions, like uh, Jay Cutler got a pass twice, right? Mm -hmm. in, in 2006, he was spot on. 2007, he was off, still won. 2008, he was really off, and then Dexter Jackson won. And Ronnie Coleman was off a couple times, right? Still won. Uh, Chris Bumstead was off on prejudging, but still won. So why can't Hadi win when he's a little bit off? Right. Uh, and, and kills it for finals. That's weird. Yeah. Why can Derek Lunsford beat him with obvious injections in his lats? Even though on stage, when I was there on stage, I didn't see any injections. And I really have an eye for that stuff because I used to be a coach. Mm -hmm. And I, I would always tell my athletes, don't do spot injections. Make sure you don't have any lumps or bumps on the day of the competition. I know you're always looking out for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell them really, really easy. But when I was at the Friday and Saturday show watching from the audience, I didn't see those bumps that you see in the pictures. So in the pictures, it looks like he's put some shit in his lats, which is not unheard of. I would recommend my athletes to do windstroll in their lats also to get a little bit of inflammation and fullness and roundness so that it would look wider. Um, so in the pictures, it's very obvious with Derek, but on stage, it didn't really look that obvious. I, I couldn't spot it. And I, I usually see all the lumps and bumps. So that's why it's hard to discriminate on why Hadi maybe looked better than he did in pictures on Friday. And Derek looks worse in pictures than he did in real life. So again, you have to be there in person. I had Hadi in second on Friday, and it was very close on Saturday. But I didn't feel that Hadi closed the door on Derek Lunsford. I felt that Derek closed the door on Hadi on both days. Mm. That's why he won. Um, you know, and then there's something to say for Samson, which if you go with Keon in 212, uh, then you should also say something for Samson in the open. Because both of them are bubbly as hell. Both of them are in shape, but not tremendously in shape. Both can pull vacuums. Both are tremendous posers. Both don't really have any weaknesses, if you unless you nitpick. Mm -hmm. um, so which direction is the IVB going now? Are we going for uh, less shredded, but more flowy in, in the form of uh, Keon, right? beating uh, the reigning champion? Or are we going for um, having two good poses in the open? If you feel like any of the medications that we spoke about today may benefit you, such as BPC-157, GH acrylic such as tessamorelin, IGF-1, oxandrolone troche, semaglutide, then you can obtain these from Transcend HRT, and the link for that will be in the bio. If you feel like you're experiencing symptoms of low testosterone, such as depression, anxiety, lack of motivation, as well as lack of sex drive, then you can get this checked out as well by getting your blood work done at Transcend, and they will provide you expert medical analysis. Transcend HRT has worked with many professional bodybuilders and pro athletes, such as Thor Bjornsson, 
Phil Heath, and Jeremy Buendia. And if you feel like this podcast has any relevancy to you, I do believe that this clinic will provide of great benefit to you as well. I I personally think that, um, like, you know, the IFBB used to go more mm. for just conditioning and like fullness yeah. size. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like this year, looking at all divisions, they're going more for aesthetics. Yeah. It just seems to look like they're going more for like, let's bring back classic. Let's mm. bring back the small waist. Let's bring back. It's not all about being a mass monster and it's not all about, I mean, conditioning is pretty important, mm. but it seems with, you know, Keon and um, Sean yeah. and then um, same with, aside from the back, uh, mm-hmm. same with Derek and Hadi. Yeah. They just went with the person that had that didn't have the bubble gut. Yeah. That could pull the vacuum, that had the smaller waist and the better proportions. But Hadi can if, also pull a mad vacuum. Right? And he also got a killer front double bicep. And his his proportions are technically better, even though I feel that Derek Lunsford's flows better. You think his proportions are better? I, I feel like it. I feel like Derek's waist was a lot smaller. In the vacuum, yeah. Yeah, but then in the in the lat spreads, I think they're pretty equal. But then when you compare the lats and the legs of ha, uh, Hadi, they're actually they're better, leaner. Yeah, they're leaner and better developed and thus look wider. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, he has got a lot more muscle maturity because he's been doing a lot longer than Derek Lunsford. I mean, Derek has done about 10 shows. You know, and Hadi has done hundreds, basically, at the amateur ranks and world championships level and turning pro. He, he's done a ton of shows. So his muscle maturity is, and he's been bodybuilding for a longer time. So there's something to say for everybody in the top three. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the end result of every Mr. Olympia is that there's only one happy person per class mm-hmm. and only one group of supporters that is going to be happy for the champion because they were you know, supporting him from the start. Mm-hmm. And then all the other supporters and all the other athletes are going to be upset. Um, and, and the Iranian fans are very passionate. Um, but of course, you know, death threats to Derek Lunsford and getting his Instagram account banned. It's a bit childish no. and doing the same thing with Steve Weinberger. It's They're trying childish. to get his Instagram account banned. They got, they got his Instagram down for half a day. Oh my God. <laughs> the guy wins, right? He, he's supposed to be congratulated to get all these positive messages. And then, you know, they, they took his Instagram down. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how passionate these guys are. That's crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's just a sport. It's just a sport. I mean, it's an opinion-based sport, and, and this is what we sign up for. It's an opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not like you lifted the most weight or, or, or jumped the furthest or run the fastest. Yeah. It's an opinion. It is an opinion. And if you can't deal with that, don't bodybuild or don't get on stage because mm-hmm. it's, it's you're subjecting yourself to the opinion of five to seven guys. Right, or, or sometimes there's female judges in there as well. So if you can't deal with that, don't compete. It's that simple. Or, or don't follow the sports. And if you want to still want to support your favorite bodybuilder, then please do so because they usually make money w- with the fans using the discount codes than they do from prize money. Unless you compete at the Mr. Olympian, prize money is 400K. I mean, that's a nice payday, let's be honest. Yeah, that is pretty that's nice. A, but men's physique, they make 50K or 60K. You can make that being an influencer in a month. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. You know? What do you think about Ryan Terry from Men's Physique? I'm, I'm happy for his story that he just moved up from ninth to eighth to seventh. So yeah, he's been same. moving up and up. And I didn't right. realize that, but he, he's been on stage for like nine to ten years. Yeah. And uh, but I was surprised because I mean he's not the most aesthetic guy. He's in great condition though. I mean he's he doesn't have any lagging body parts. So technically, when you look at it, you break it down. He could be the champion. But then you put them to some of the you know the black uh, African American competitors, I think they all look better, hmm. in my opinion. Really? Yeah, 
I, I think even even uh, Jeremy Bondia looked better. It's more freaky, you know. I disagree about that. Yeah. Actually, right. I was I was a proponent for Jeremy winning because yeah. we're both Filipino, and if he right. wins, I feel like I can win. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, but <laughs> but being there on stage for prejudging, mm-hmm. bro, he was so off. Yeah, I was so off, dude. Yeah. I was like, man, I I feel bad because I get it. Mm-hmm. I almost think this is something that Filipinos can relate to, or at least I've seen with Potvin with Bundia and with myself yeah. is for some reason it's sometimes hard to get the cord dry enough even yeah. if we get really lean for some reason there's some water that just holds down like over our abs yeah and i'm not sure why that happened to jeremy because when he turned around his back was the most shredded full and dry yeah out of his whole like call out yeah. but when he turned back to his front his midsection was the least yeah and i'm not sure why that constipation do you think constipation 100 well every time if you have water in your abs it's constipation Wow. Yeah. If you have water in your back, so it's usually stress. Maybe it was just too much dryness, like too much. So it's just a lot of dry diuretics. carb loading. And, and then, of course, all the food gets stuck in your intestinal tract. And then if you can't poop properly, you just hold water in your waist. Oh, man. So, so and then Jeremy fixed it for finals. I mean, it looks stellar at finals, but it's not enough. You know, that's yeah. if you're off at prejudging, like really off, like Hadi was, was kind of off for Hadi. And then if, if Jeremy is off, for you know the, the what we're used to back in the day when he was winning shows, even though he proved quite a bit muscularity wise, um, yeah, then they're just gonna knock you down. They compare you to all the other athletes and yourself, your previous best showing. So you need to continuously improve. So the stress, the more you win, the stress level is going to be higher oh, yeah. and higher because <laughs> yes. you get judged based on all your previous wins and against all the competitors and what they think you could, what you should have showed up at like. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so extraordinary that Iris Kyle won ten. And Lee Haney won ten or eight, and Ronnie Coleman won eight, and and even uh, Phil Heath won seven. It's extraordinary. Is ten the is ten the record? Iris Iris. got the record. Yes, but for for males, eight is the highest. Yeah, Lee Haney and Ronnie Coleman. Right, and uh, and Phil Heath seven, and then six for Doreen Yates, four for uh, uh, Jay Cutler, and then how many did I think I think Arnold Schwarzenegger got six or seven. Seven, yeah. But two, one of them, he, he was the only one who showed up. So it doesn't really count. Wait, what? Yeah, there was one year where he showed up in South Africa and he had no competitors, so he won by default. <laughs> what? <laughs> nobody remembers this, though. Yeah, nobody remembers this. I think they were all protesting because uh, yeah, they didn't like something about him winning, so they just didn't go one year. So mm-hmm. he won by default. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's unheard of nowadays, though. Yeah. Yeah, so the results are a bit, I mean, it's always fun to analyze the Mr. Olympia, but when you were there, like, I wanted Derek to win because I like Derek. He's a young guy, he's married, he's got a kid on the way. You know, he, he puts out great content. He's, he's, you know, I feel that he went through like a little bit of a reinvention of himself because he was young and arrogant and kind of dumb sometimes. And he's really, you know, tried to have a little bit of a character change. Right? If you watch movies, people like the character change mm-hmm. over a one hour, one hour, two hour period. Uh, the progression of a person. So I feel that he matured a lot over the last couple of years. And, and you know, with Hadi, I think, I mean, he doesn't speak so much English, so that's a shame. So even though he might do a lot of content for the Iranian fans, the Persians, uh, for us in the Western world, we don't really see much besides him just having fun and goofing around in the gym and, you know, have, having a good time. But we don't understand his language. And then he has a speech impediment and he has a hearing aid, right? So the barrier of communication is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not in his favor competing at the Mr. Olympia. Even though it's it's a bodybuilding contest, that's in the back of the head of, of some of the, um, you know, judges. 
That's that's also popularity. I mean, that's why Chris won popularity. Let's be honest. Do you he think was, that's completely why Chris won, though? I know. I like, mean, Ramon Dino was better on prejudging by a mile. By a mile, you think so, dude? And I, I I have to say this because yeah. to everybody in the audience, I'm gonna admit it. Yeah, I am. A, I glaze over Ramon Dino, it dude. I am like, great. I'm a huge Dino fan. Yeah, huge Dino fan. But also if doesn't you speak a word of mind, English. Also doesn't speak a word of English. Yeah, <laughs> and some of his team members do. So I met his team, uh, the Brazilian team, back in uh, the Flex Lewis's gym about mm-hmm. a year ago, and uh, and of course Flex Lewis is very close to the Brazilians because. Um, you know, one of his friends is from Brazil. Fuck, what is his name? Uh, works with Neil Hill now, but he was with Chris Aceto. Um So they're pretty close. And I think one of his team came up to me just thanking me for the content because apparently he was watching my YouTube channel back then as well. And of course, Ramon Dino was with Chris Aceto, And Chris Aceto dialed him in perfectly. I told oh, him. yeah, he looked crazy. He looked fucking Perfectly crazy. full, so dry. But So dry. I mean, I still, think Chris, I still think Chris won from the back. And I do think... Chris's legs were also more shredded, more like shredded, more separation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> more separation. So, and then when he did his his uh, what is it, corn uh, appetize, appetize, yeah. um, Chris's legs when he flexed them seemed fuller, and fuller bigger. and more separated. Yeah, yeah. So Ramon maybe needs a little bit more time, um, but of course his, the weight change might be in their favor. I mean, Brian Ansley improved tremendously. Yeah, in one year, just because he of did. the weight change. So I, I talked with Chris Aceto and I really complimented him on, on dialing him in. Uh, but sometimes it's not enough. You know, sometimes they want the repeat champion to keep repeating, which is weird because you would expect uh, Sean Carolina to repeat, even though he had a little bit of distension. And you would expect Hadi uh, Chupan to repeat, even though his back was a little bit soft, mm-hmm. when Chris was also a little bit soft at prejudging. So He was a little softer than usual. Well, well, mixed signals. It's like an right. ex-girlfriend that does, you know, I want to sleep with you, but I don't want to sleep with you. But there's so many. Come over. There is so over. many variables, though. <laughs> yeah. Right? So that's, but that's, that's, it's always been going on like that. And it's sometimes you just can't put your finger on it. Um, but all things considering, you just like Keon more that day. Or all things considering, you still like Chris over Ramon. Even though from a bodybuilding perspective, um, really breaking it down, I had Ramon winning. Hmm. Um, because he was in shape on both days, just like Derek Lonsford was in shape on both days. And Keon was consistent on both days because, um, you know, he was consistently off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not in great condition, but he has the most yeah, flowy physique. Right, right, right. And, and it's frontable bicep, I mean, with a vacuum. I mean, I'm a sucker so for that. So crazy, Dude, I'm man. a sucker for that. A frontable bicep with a deep vacuum, yeah. you got my vault. Yeah. And a back double bicep with a crazy serrated glutes, you know, and leaning back on everything. And the hamstrings are fully separated from the adductors. I mean, I'm a sucker for that. You got my vote, dude. You know, I love those poses. Front double bicep and a back double bicep perfectly executed. That's bodybuilding for me. And everything else is just icing around the gate. The side chest with serrated glutes. Okay, that's great. But it, it never compares to a front double bicep with, with you know, three armprits, basically. One, two, three. Right? Deep holes. That's I, I love that stuff. So if you got those poses, you got my fault. Mm-hmm. And if you have distension, I can't get past it. You know? I feel like that's why that's why the the winners won this year, though. Yeah, I none of like them had the distension. Same, the same reason. None yeah. of them. No, but I've, Ramon Dino, Dino is way smaller than than. Oh well, in classic, yeah, none yeah. of them for sure. But like in the other ones, like like the winners had significantly less yeah Sean, Sean Carrillo at, at finals had a little bit of distension yeah, me, me and my buddy Chase Irons we were both sitting there at finals 
and we're both like it's not gonna take him even though he's more dense he's more conditioned you know he's a he's a he's a reigning champion he's won it before um but that distinction is very distracting you know mm -hmm. and you're you're the reigning champion and nowadays like ronnie coleman had distinction every year but they still let him win but nowadays they really try to crack right. down on it so you you can't have a moment where you breathe a little bit too hard and your stomach is out further in your chest you can't have it anymore yeah so let that let, that door is closed deal was having a hard time like breathing on stage properly yeah unfortunately yeah, yeah. so Which makes me so sad because i want him to win so i know i know i like him but chris again i mean he's a great champion he's, he's got 20 million followers i mean imagine the shit storm when he loses yeah i know <laughs> we were talking about that the whole time oh like man. just imagine it. imagine the shit storm i mean he's the most popular bodybuilder ever yeah ever well i mean no he is he has got more following he's got more views on any video than any bodybuilder has ever had uh, probably like like not as famous as arnold but only because arnold like was in movies and he's that how old how you know yeah how old as, arnold as, is as old now. as yeah, he of is course, now of course right? and but, he's, he's had plenty of years but but yeah for sure bodybuilder just in general from the sport yeah 100 percent. chris bum said that his age accomplished the most out of anybody in sports yep. including arnold because mm -hmm. arnold wasn't acting at that time yet mm -hmm. you know and what, how old is chris like 27 28 28 i think yeah yeah and he's got five five olympia wins crazy yeah and i think if he wants to continue you know muscle tear society can just keep going and keep going and going chris got to be careful because he's torn a lot now tore his bicep tore his lat apparently which i couldn't see on stage yeah something with his quad and his hamstring on the right side so you know and i don't oh, know man i still haven't had a tear yet and i don't know how good I've, I've had both hamstring tears and, a, and chest oh tear. Oh, my and, God. But all micro tears, so they healed reasonably fast. Okay. And I, I know my peptides, so, you know. Nice. Got my Wolverine stack. Oh, nice. Just in case. Um, Someone just came up to me at the gym at Zoo while you were there today. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he was like, hey, um, should I take BBC for my um, my tendon issue here? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you should take that with IGF-1. He's like, I already got IGF-1. Yeah. yeah, I want it. Good. Good. And then you still need collagen in there. Too. Yeah. Provide the building blocks, a little bit of vitamin C, hyaluronic acid. Just like collagen powder? Yeah, just collagen powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though the scientific evidence is a bit thin, I mean, it makes logical sense to have all the building blocks present right. while you're taking these peptides. And again, mm -hmm. scientific evidence hasn't been performed on people taking steroids or peptides. It's just, you know, regular Joes that, oh, it didn't do anything. Well, do it on athletes that take PEDs and then we can talk, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a, I go with experience sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's the best way. But yeah, the Olympia was fun. It was interesting to be there. Did you go to finals? Did you watch yeah, it? Yeah, I, I watched finals too. Yeah, yeah it's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, yeah everyone looks crazy. and I know. And then I get when, you fired up to go back to the gym and take Yeah, dude. Every time I go, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, maybe I should take more steroids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's how yeah. everybody feels after me. It's like, how everybody like, feels. Especially me being off for so long. I'm like, I can't wait to run a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> everybody please remember my disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast yeah exactly please please, yeah, please. <laughs> take it easy oh dude i shook Ra i shook ramon's hand yeah and uh my hand didn't even close his oh, hand really? was so freaking big dude yeah like i don't even understand how to explain it and just like the size of his forearms and his hands it just made no sense and then i i shook um i hope they don't watch this but then i shook derek's hand uh afterwards and uh yeah it was significantly smaller Derek Lunsford. Yeah, compared to Ramon's though. Yeah, but, I think I think Ramon's, Ramon's just also has, taller. Yeah, he's also a lot taller. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's he's my height. But I think there's just something going on with like Ramon's like 
calves, ankles, wrists, forearms, and hands. GH, baby. <laughs> That's what I wonder, but I feel like he, maybe it's a combination of that and his actual genetics, because I think even when he was young, like, proportionally yeah, wise to like his waist his forearms were still big yeah he probably friend, like draw, drew, drew the short straw and like oblique size but everywhere else he uh, got the long straw and it's like <laughs> his forearms like bigger than his waist yeah i remember crazy. i met him last year at the flex lewis's gym and i'm like how the fuck is this guy going to make weight <laughs> and, like, and then of course this year they increased the weight increased uh, it, yeah. cap so at, at least you know some of these guys that are a little bit shorter they kind mm -hmm. of uh, you know favorite of that i mean it looked like chris bumstead from Saturday night, um, you know, for this year's Olympia compared to last year, didn't look like he improved much, to be honest. It, yeah, not compared to last year. No, I think last year looked better on both nights. But last year was for sure the best package he's ever had. Yeah, that's the first year working with Hani Rambot. And Hani Rambot is a genius when it comes to peaking. I mean, this guy just, I mean, I, I, I've seen a lot of peaking protocols. I've never seen his though. Mm -hmm. So I can't really figure out what he's doing. I feel like no one's seen Hani's. No. I, I can't figure out what he's doing, but whatever he's doing, fuck man, I like that look. I, lo I loved it on Phil Heath. I loved it on Honey, um, Chris Bumstead. I loved it on uh, Derek Lunsford and Hardy. I mean, that look is unique. Right. It looks very athletic. It looks very perfect. <laughs> polished and, and right. athletic and, and perfectly dialed in. And, you know, and if he can get Derek a little bit harder from the front, which I think it just takes time, then, then Derek is going to win like eight. Man, that would be crazy. Because his bodybuilding years are like less than 10. So he's already got an Olympian to 12, an mm. open Olympia, and he's been bodybuilding less than 10 years. So I don't think, and he, he looks healthy. So I think he can win like 10 in total if you want to. Because he, he, he probably doesn't fucking ruin himself like most of these other guys. Mm -hmm. You know, it even took Phil Heath a couple of years. You know, and Roddy Coleman, it took him forever to win the Mr. Olympia, and Jay Cutler the same. Derek is winning Olympias after uh, how many years of bodybuilding? Six years, eight years. It's crazy to me. Yeah, you know, I was I was drug free for eight years, not looking like anything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a fun Olympia. Man. No, I know that's what I think about too. Yeah, and people like Larry Wheels and all these guys and Sam Zolik, yeah. talking about how they start at like seventeen years old. Yeah, Here so I they, am like, man. So I when, just when, started when they, my first bulk. When when did you start? Like with PEDs and bodybuilding? So, um, I got my pro card. I mm. think I was around 23 years old. All right. And I I, I started that year. Mm. I think it was about a whole year before um, on orals. Right. Oh, coach. yeah, I did the oral yeah. on the cycle. So I didn't ever start injecting anything, of course, test, mm. uh, until a year after my pro card. Oh, wow. Yeah. It took me a while to figure out like why I was feeling that way and whether or not I wanted to finally get over my fear of needles. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So I, th I guess maybe I was like 24-ish, maybe. So um, So you're, you're sending mixed signals now because you're telling people to inject, but you want your pro card on oral-only cycle. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't, <laughs> don't do, do it. it. It sucked. Yeah. It was not worth it. My no. balls were not working for forever. I even, sure. I even tried ECG after and I, it just still... I don't know why, but I think I just ran to oral for too long. I, I think if you do a PCT properly, you could recover. Mm -hmm. uh, but you I would, also didn't know exactly what I was doing, so yeah. it was probably not proper. No. I think if I give you a PCT protocol and you would PCT, you would recover just fine. But you would have to go through a nine-month, you know, detoxification process and then look like, you know, me. 
small dude soft i look so i still have pictures actually and i might post it someday but yeah i have pictures from when i like after the pro show yeah dude it's crazy you can you can't even see my abs but i'm yeah. really really small just because i've like lost all my mass and just gained so much like fluff. subcutaneous fluff yeah it's crazy it sucks right yeah it, it sucks, sucks, it sucks so much. Like I, I i really i did like the full-time hardcore bodybuilding without the peds after i came off so mm -hmm. not missing meals not missing workouts still supplements right still training heavy as heavy as i could so i i remained somewhat respectable mm -hmm. but i think if i didn't do that i would just turn to fucking ash yeah. you know turn to the michelin man you know if i wanted to stay strong like and eat a lot or just turn to a power fat power lifter mm -hmm. without the real powerlifting strength obviously um yeah so coming off peds is no fun dude but you do believe though that like um you can still hold a lot of your muscle mass on trt like say your body into your you can hold everything you can hold yeah. all your strength all your size your body composition might not be as favorable as an actual steroid cycle but let's say you were eating 3,000 calories on a steroid cycle and you look freaky. If you go to 4,000 calories on TRT, you're still just as strong and, and just as big, but you won't look freaky. Right? Yeah, your veins yeah, will be, be gone, softer. You'll be softer. You, you know, your waist will be a little bit wider because you eat more food and there's less anabolic incentive for the steroids that you take because it's just TRT. So... But it has to happen because you can't stay on a cycle forever. You know, mm -hmm. you need to blast and cruise, come into a cycle, slowly ramping up the dosages over time as, as it's required, right? When you stall, you need mm -hmm. to hit the dose up to food. And then at one point, you need to come off and clean out your health parameters, do TRT, and then you need to eat more food to sustain your strength. Or if you want, you can kind of do a diet during TRT, which Anna speeds up the, the health parameters because dieting just makes you detox faster, basically. Um, but then you get small. So I've, yeah. yeah. So I've been, I've been dieting for the last 10 months, just trying to stay in shape, right. looking, you know, sharp on, on Instagram. And then uh, you lose like 40 pounds. Might as well just stay on forever. Uh, yeah, but you can't get your wife pregnant like that. So there's priorities. And when I say I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do it. Because uh, if I go on cycle now without getting my wife pregnant, oh, it'll be a shit storm. Everybody will unsubscribe. You can't have that. No. can't have that so wife pregnant first we'll pass the first try the first trimester and then i'll think about running something again mm -hmm. yeah yeah man all right so i think are you um we don't have much time left so are you down to just move on to the questions yeah sure whatever whatever people are saying because they ask some interesting shit these people do what, what time is it now but, but six six oh we six. got time. yeah, yeah. Got time. um i've got about maybe like five more minutes five to ten more minutes on all here, right so. cool all right rapid fire by the way, guys, if we ever said anything that uh, induced you to want to take more steroids, we were we were joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not medical advice. <laughs> this is not medical <laughs> advice. Uh, Lena asks, "Have you ever played darts?" Uh, yes, yes, I have. I used to play darts when I uh, went to the bars, and you get drunk on beer and then play darts and try to stay as, as sober as possible, but it never helped drinking beer and playing darts so I, I was never good at it though i wonder why she asked those questions uh i don't know maybe it's an analogy for something but yeah old side so i played darts all the time whenever i sneak over to josh minoy's room and uh -huh. just oh those <laughs> kind of darts yeah so those darts i play every day yeah, <laughs> i play them subcutaneous like on my upper quads and you know, yeah 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 you think he's natty but yeah i know he's not no nobody's natty. just kidding 
Uh, <laughs> Noah asks, what career paths are there for people interested in the pharmacology of bodybuilding? Ouch. That's it. Yeah, right. If you're interested in the pharmacology, then you have to do a lot of research. And that also implies that you're going to help other people on that journey. Uh, but that also means you have to run a lot of experiments. And, and to really have a good physique, you need the consistency and the guidance of somebody else. So you don't make the mistakes that experimental people like myself do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're interested in pharmacology, uh, I would say monetize that knowledge and go on YouTube or TikTok or yeah. Instagram and then our eBooks or websites or whatever, or write for publications and monetize it because you know you have to monetize your knowledge. Um, otherwise, that, that knowledge is wasted. Either coach, YouTuber, or TikToker, I agree with that. Yeah. I think um, Mike is fit. Mike has did a good job of... Mm bringing his knowledge to TikTok right. in a little bit more of like a ingestible way. Noah asks, how good is enclomiphene monotherapy for extending your natty muscle bodybuilding potential? So you're no longer natty when you take enclomiphene because it's a medication mm-hmm. and it, it alters your LH and FSH levels to the point you would not be able to produce naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think enclomiphene monotherapy is not sustainable because the scientific evidence is a bit thin. And when you compare enclomiphene to clomid, um, you see that there's clotting risks associated with clomid and there's reduction of IGF-1, which is also playing out in, in clomiphene. So you're losing out on one of the key anabolic hormones. Um, and, and with long-term selective estrogen receptor modulator use, there could be severe side effects because you're literally blocking the estrogen receptors in certain tissues and you need normal estrogen functioning for overall health. So I don't think that clomiphene or enclomiphene therapy is sustainable. I think it's a worthy experiment if you're natural. Right, maybe you look into ATG monotherapy. I think that's sustainable. Maybe you look into enclomiphene monotherapy to see how much LH and FSH you can produce from the pituitary and how much testosterone you can get out of that. But that's an, an, a four to eight week experiment. Right. And then you have to make a decision like, okay, at least now I know that enclomiphene works for a future post-psychotherapy because some people are non-responsive mm-hmm. to enclomiphene or clomid or tamoxifene, raloxifene, et cetera. They feel horrible because the estrogen receptors are blocked. So it's a worthy experiment. You know now know if enclomiphene is going to work or not going to work or how you feel on enclomiphene when you stop the steroids. But all roads eventually lead to HRT or steroid cycles unless you really respond well to HCG monotherapy, but then you're shutting yourself down long-term anyway, because LH and FSH will come down to zero also. But HCG monotherapy? Yeah. Yeah, because your testosterone levels and your estrogen levels are super physiological compared to the natural LH pulse that you have. So you're replacing this luteinizing hormone with human chorionic gonadotropin at a much higher dose. So estrogen goes up and testosterone goes up. So you have this negative feedback in the pituitary LH and FSH levels comes down, and now you're just replacing this LH with a higher dose of HCG or higher concentration of HCG, but FSH is still shut down. So if you stop the HCG and you've been running that for two years, you might still need a post-psychotherapy to bring your LH and FSH levels up. So you can do that with enclomiphene. After you finish your HCG monotherapy, you do enclomiphene monotherapy, bring your LH and FSH levels back up over four to six weeks, and then you stop that, you're off, off, off everything. But that's why doing like the cycle for ACG, let's say like, I don't know, eight weeks or something. Yeah. It's not as susceptible for that to happen. So I've helped a lot of guys that, that want to bring their testosterone levels up and they just do ACG monotherapy to see what their testicles can actually produce. So maybe they're 500 nanograms per deciliter under total testosterone. And then the ACG monotherapy brings them up to 1100 or maybe even 1500. 
and are happy. Mm. Like, man, I didn't even know that. And the problem now is that ATG monotherapy is very expensive. It's way more expensive to do than testosterone replacement therapy. Test is cheap compared to ATG. Right? And in both cases, you have to inject something. Both cases, you can do it subcutaneously. So that's why some guys would rather do enclomiphene. But look into the long-term negative effects of enclomiphene, even if estrogen is a range. I don't think that's worth the risk. And since okay. there's no yeah. conclusive evidence that enclomiphene doesn't have the clotting risks of clomiphene or Nolvidex, in this day and age, with clotting risks aplenty, you got to be careful. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, I think um, that's probably likely why why all the HRG clinics only have HRG and enclomiphene yeah. um, combined cycles in cycles in like yeah. short periods of time. You just got to be careful. I mean, there's like 80 studies or 80, 90 studies on enclomiphene solo. So there's not so much scientific evidence to say that enclomiphene is safe compared to clomiphene. So I would just proceed with caution. And if you want to sustain your HPTA, you can only do a part of that with the last signal of the luteinizing hormone, replacing that with human chorionic gonadotropin. So your testicles are still active, still producing testosterone, estrogen, maybe some DHEA, pregnenolone from the adrenal glands, which also respond to ATG. Um, or they're here, not here. <laughs> That's a thyroid gland. Um, so you, you have some sort of na natural production of hormones. Um, but the pituitary will shut down because there's no real way to keep that going unless you go with gonadotropin or gispeptin 10, which you have to inject every two hours. So that's, well, 12 injections per day. Good luck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Chris Adams asks thoughts on Victor Black. Um, old man that is bitter in life and <laughs> should mind his own fucking business. Oh, shit. He's a piece of shit. Oh, man. Yeah, the only accomplishment of Victor Black, I'll give him credit for this, the only accomplishment is getting on top of everybody's shit list. Interesting. Everybody's shit list. Yeah. So why is that? Well, I mean, he just pisses everybody off. He takes credit for other people's work, saying that he stole it from him. No. Oh. And then he, in the same sentence, he doesn't agree with other stuff that they're doing, which is weird. So I don't know. It's just it's just a bully, I online see. bully. Nobody likes him. Nobody respects him. I've never okay. met anybody in the real world of all the other educators that respects the guy. Um, so he's just a bitter old man that, you know, karma will take care of him. And at one point he won't be around anymore because he'll bankrupt himself. Hmm. He won't be respected or, or getting money from anybody. And there's a lot smarter people out there. Trust me. I, I would not take advice from that guy. No. Okay. No. I uh, actually, I just know what he's done, but I haven't ever really followed his content. No, you're when not. When I looked up his recent stuff, I just saw him like hating on people. Yeah. So you're not missing out. Okay. Yeah, there's much, much friendlier, much more knowledgeable people out there who will respect you and be nice to you and, and take, give you the time of day and not call you out for anything, you know? That seems to answer the next question by Ryan uh -huh. asking, would you be willing to sit down with Victor Black and do an episode? No. <laughs> no, I mean, he's welcome to come to any bodybuilding show in Thailand, but he hasn't shown his face hmm. in the last couple of years. I mean... The, the World Championships was in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which is where he lives. And his wife came, came mm. to talk to us. And she, his wife was a big fan of my wife when she was competing. No. So we had a great conversation. He didn't show his face. And he hasn't shown his face in any of the bodybuilding contests. Mm. So uh, if you want to see how Victor Black is, go to Chase Irons' YouTube channel and see how arrogant and, and just, I don't know, just despicable he acts 
on camera. I, I would not have a guy like that on my podcast. No way. He doesn't even deserve airtime, honestly. These questions are not worth this podcast either. I gotcha. Yeah. Is it, is it true that um, Derek got a lot of his early information from no. Victor? Or no. No. So this is Victor taking credit for other people's work. He did that okay. with John Jewett. He did that with Derek, more plus more dates. He did that with Chase Arns. He did that with Paul Barnett. He did that with Jordan Peters. He did that with me. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. What, you know? Yeah, I, I, they're doing the, you know, the black molders. I never signed up to his website. Hmm. So I, I don't know what this guy's on about. Today. <laughs> this is why you shouldn't run trend year round. You oh, turn man. into a delusional old fart. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, when there's a trend line, just like in any relationship, exactly. if like uh, you're, if you have five you, ex-boyfriends you know, all for the same reason. Me even more like everybody in Thailand is super chill, right? They adopt something of the culture. They're nice, they're friendly, easygoing. And this guy is like, perpetually arrogant and upset about everything so this guy's just bad news waste of time yeah waste okay of time. we'll move on from that then sure um this next question uh i think uh, i've seen this question actually in a lot of different podcasts mm -hmm. i also received this with um um uh our buddy from um merrick uh, uh Adam, Man, Adam, Adam, Adam. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm brain farting. I'm hella brain farting <laughs> right now. It's it's six p.m. Uh, but Konopaka asks, uh, Konopaka from the anime, what are the reasons you would have zero sex drive while on four hundred milligrams of testosterone? If your estrogen is low or your neurosteroids are low, so you need a normal balance between your sex hormones and neurosteroids. So people understand that testosterone converts into estradiol, but when you take testosterone. And you manage your estradiol doesn't mean that your DHA sulfate, DHA, pregnenolone, pregnenolone sulfate levels are going to be normal. Mm -hmm. So this is why I designed hormone replacement therapy for most people in the fitness industry, which is what most of the TRT clinics are also um, talking about. You need not only high testosterone, but also high estrogen at the top of the reference range. And when those are high, you also need high DHA and high pregnenolone. So supplementing with DHA and pregnenolone or taking HCG, for example, which also stimulates the production of DHA and pregnenolone, that would be ideal. So either go with testosterone uh, with high estrogen or at the top of the reference range with through an aromatized inhibitor and then HCG for neurosteroids and all the intermediary hormones, the androstenedione and the androstenediol and a good amount of dihydrotestosterone, right? So overdoing the aromatized inhibitors, overdoing the 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, and underdoing anything that can enhance neurosteroid production or supplementing accordingly with DHA and pregnenolone, which you can buy over the counter on amazon.com. Um, that's basically the culprit of low libido and smoking weed a lot, taking kratom a lot, masturbating a lot, right? All these things also contribute. So, and maybe your girlfriend just isn't hot enough. That doesn't help. Oh, you know, I mean, a lot of people, so a lot of people get into a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And they have that honeymoon phase. And then this both start eating and they get mad chunky. And then after five years, they're like morbidly obese. I mean, maybe you should sit down with each other and uh, say like, we were better when we were in shape. <laughs> you know, I mean, I see that happen all the time. Dude. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe your libido is low because your partner is not hot anymore. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rob asks, how bad are injectable orals for your body? Terrible. Terrible because they're suspended in the most synthetic solvent shit that you could potentially take hmm. so imagine cleaning your car right that's that solvents also they dissolve the 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 metals right the, the what is it called the rust 
and they dissolve the, the grease and the, you know, the poop stains from the birds. It's a solvent. So you're basically injecting a solvent to um, suspend these injectable orals to stay in solution. And it's also going to dissolve the muscles that you're injecting it into. That's why you feel sick. Wow. That's why you have test flu, even though you don't take tests. That's why you feel off. That's why your joint hurts. That's why your digestion is off. That's why your acne is worse. Uh, this is synthetic solvents. These uh, pro propylene glycol, polyethylene glycol, monoethylene glycol, glycol, ethyl oleates, and to a certain extent, benzoyl benzoate and benzoyl alcohol. Um, they can all cause tremendous systemic inflammation and an allergic response. And I have a lot of videos on my YouTube channel. I think I was the first one to talk about this publicly. These solvents are so bad for you that you can literally give yourself like severe issues with your kidneys and your heart if you keep taking them. Okay. Right? And the first effect and is- injectable orals have to be in these solvents. Yeah, because they're not lipophilic. So you have a, a testosterone enantate, right? You have the ester, the enantate that makes it dissolvable in fat. Mm -hmm. So the ester molecule, when you look at that, the, the enantate, it's like, you know, squiggly line. And when you compare that to a fat molecule, looks pretty similar. So the ester dissolves the the steroid in fat. Okay. And then the enantate or the propionate or the uh, cypionate is metabolized and now it's water soluble. So now it can go to the bloodstream or attach to albumin or sexual binding globulin or androgen receptors. But the injectable orals, the, the, the water solubility is not as good, right? So same with testosterone suspension, it's suspended in water, but it crashes, it sinks to the bottom. And it's the same with the injectable orals. Anivar, without an ester, sinks to the bottom. So they dissolve it in any polyethylene glycol, which just keeps it in solution, makes it very easy to inject. And then you know, the anivar, the injectable anivar, the injectable pseudopadrol goes into your bloodstream just fine. And this solvent starts eating away at your muscle and your kidneys and your liver. And your wow. Yeah. yeah, so... Okay. I wouldn't touch it unless it's brewed in MCT oil and you're, you're, you know, the guy that makes it really knows what he's doing, then it's fine. But most of these companies don't do that because even in MCT oil, it, it crashes after a certain concentration. So if you see a hundred milligram uh, injectable D ball, hundred milligram per one milliliter injectable D ball, oh man, stay clear. Okay. Okay. Stay clear. Great news for everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Poison. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Um, I got one last question. Sure. I end every podcast with, um, if you had one message that you could send to the entire world, mm -hmm. like if you were going to die tomorrow and you had one last message you would send to the entire world, what would it be? Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> my life's work is on my YouTube channel. So if I die tomorrow, Subscribe. at least all the cool, all, everything that I had to put out there is already there. Well, there's plenty more content coming. Uh, if I die tomorrow, um, uh, never stop learning. Never stop learning. Never stop bettering yourself because... You know, you think you're good today, but you can be better tomorrow. So just keep at it and, and learn as much as you can. And that's not just about steroids or about bodybuilding, but also about finances, about relationships, about the world in general. Just better yourself every single day a little bit. And, and then life gets pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Life gets pretty good. I so love that. That would be my message. Love that. Yeah. Thank, thank you, man. Thanks thank for coming you. on. Thanks for having Where me. Where can everybody find you? Uh, Figure Steve on YouTube and on Instagram, and even on TikTok, and on website, vigorsteve.com. That's usually where you can find me, and uh, I hope to see you there. Thanks for having me, dude. This was Hell epic. Yeah. yeah. Dude, this was epic, yeah. For sure. Thanks, for man. Sure. Thanks, Thanks again. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you have uh, 
symptoms of low T or want to get your bloods checked and uh, want some advice from um, medical professionals, my personal clinic is a transcend HRT and um, the link will be in the bio and that holds all my um, HRT medications, including my tests. So, and then, um, yeah, vigorous Steve, go check him out. I get probably feel like, I feel like I've gotten like a lot, not like a majority of information. I feel like I know about just bodybuilding in general from your videos. So thank you. Thank you. Plenty more coming. So if you want to learn more, just subscribe and all the, everything will be revealed (laughs) eventually. And then finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best non-cost way is to rate us a five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, just like Steve's. And um, I'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Peace out. Peace. Peace, homies.